Coming out of Akron, Ohio, representing Team Popping the Boys, the headline god, Jeremy Lambert, and his co-host, speaking out of Atlanta, Georgia, representing more than one royal family, the king of indie viewing, Stephen Jensen, and this is the Spotlight on Fightful. Hello and welcome everyone to the Spotlights. I'm Jeremy Lambert. That is Steven Jensen. And shout out to Big Dick MLJ for the intro. As always, it is Thursday, September 7th. Jensen, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing well, man. I have been busy. We did uh we had the day off work for my shoot job for the holiday, which was great for Labor Day. But because of that, it meant that I had to work overtime the last two days, but I don't have to work overtime today. So I'm happy to just talk some wrestling, do my normal routine. Um, shout out to my brother, had a surgery yesterday and it went really well too. So that was really good. And just kind of looking forward to today, looking forward to tomorrow, getting back to the weekend. NFL season starts tonight. Uh, Very much looking forward to that. So Skull Vikings. And uh, yeah, how you doing, Jeremy? I'm I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Yes, NFL does start tonight. It was a busy, busy weekend, busy couple of weekends in in the world of the professional wrestling. Uh, you know, a lot of shows, a lot of big news. So, I'll be looking forward to a little bit of downtime this weekend. I, I will say that I'm very much looking forward to taking a little little break from uh wrestling and not so not as much to cover, which will be nice. Otherwise, doing well. Glad your brother's surgery went well. Always good to hear. Yes. Um, yeah. It's, you know, doesn't, doesn't really stop, but, um, I don't know, man. Let's talk about Jensen. Let's yeah, talk we have about. Plenty to talk about. I mean, it was like the big elephant in the room, obviously, you know, since this happens to the last show, which we didn't decide to make a spotlight this week. Cause you've heard everyone already talk about it all, but I'll just get that right out, right out of the way, right out of the, right out the bat for me right now. There's really nothing I can add to the CM Punk situation that I haven't already said. Like, me and Jeremy kind of discussed that before the show. We're like, what kind of topics do we want to do? If y'all want, want my piece on all that, just watch last week's show. Watch, you know, pretty much any of the shows I've done the last, like, couple of years about, about CM Punk. I mean, my opinion really hasn't changed about the guy. And uh, I think this is the best case scenario for everybody now. Like, AEW doesn't have to deal with this anymore. CM Punk clearly wasn't happy, and he got out. And it just it is what it is. Um Saw CM Punk competed at a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu competition. I don't know how recent that was. I did see the uh, the article come out yesterday. Novice BJJ tournament, third place out of three uh, competitors. So um, that's really my only thoughts on CM Punk going forward. And uh, yeah, I, dude, what's so good about that too is like it's over. Like the situation's over and now we can just talk about wrestling again. It feels like kind of a big weight's been like lifted off of my shoulders and a lot of people's shoulders. It's just like it's over with. And we got so much good wrestling to talk about, Jeremy. So, do you have anything to add about CM? I know I, I'm sure you've done shows this week and already talked about it, but yeah, like, I've I've done plenty of shows talking about CM Punk. I I don't have much to add. I kind of even tweeted it. It was like last time he was gone, which was all out last year. There was still that cloud because he knew he was coming back. Everybody was fantasy right. booking stuff and everything. Now he's gone, so. We will see what happens in the fallout. I'm sure he will make some type of statement. I'm sure stuff will happen. You know, CM Punk, he doesn't really stay quiet uh, when it comes to this stuff. He'll be on Instagram stories at some point. But for right now, he's gone. And we can focus on the wrestling. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to focus on the wrestling. We will start 
with AEW because there was some big news coming out of all out this past weekend, Dynamite last night. And it ties a little into CM Punk, but it's largely praise about the man that I consider the greatest of all time. But you know what, Jensen? One last time for old time's sake. I'm old and I'm fucking tired and I work with fucking children. <laughs> I'm tired of wrestling these kids that think they uh, they know everything. Look, it's still a good quote. It's still some good quotes. <laughs> great quote. I guess like the, the real question coming out of a quote like that is, is it better to be stuck working with children or be unemployed? I don't know. <laughs> Oh, AEW All Out this past weekend. It was supposed to be, by all accounts, even if you watch the television show, it was supposed to be CM Punk and Ricky Starks in a strap match. Did not happen because hours before AEW All or AEW Collision on Saturday, AEW made the announcement that CM Punk was gone. He was fired. His contract was terminated. Contracts were terminated. And then they moved forward with a different plan. And the different plan was the dragon, the greatest of all time, in my opinion, and in the opinions of correct people, Brian Danielson stepped up, coming back maybe early from injury, maybe. <laughs> oh, know, was, wait, arm's still broken, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's He's got 205 bones, you know, he's fine. Uh, he doesn't need that 206 one. Yeah. Maybe coming back from injury early, he stepped up, did the strap match against Ricky Starks, at all out absolutely fantastic fantastic match i cannot praise this match enough this is my spotlight this week one because the match was one of my favorite matches of the year it's to me and my memory is not very good on this stuff this and osprey omega uh from wrestle kingdom i like the first match better than the forbidden door match um those two matches are probably my top two favorite matches of the year i really like the wrestlemania tag team match as well wrestlemania night one tag team match those are matches that i've felt very invested in um so those are off the top of my head those are probably my top three but man danielson and starks i think everybody knows how big if you don't know how big of a danielson fan i am i don't know where you've been uh ricky starks for those who have kind of kept up uh with me for a long time ricky starks is one of the first guys that i interviewed uh back in the nwa day and he was a guy that I requested to, to interview back then because uh, I, I saw a lot of potential in him then in the NWO. I was like, I want to talk to Ricky Starks. And we had a very fantastic interview. And we've just I've followed his career throughout that, that entire time. And it, I've been so, uh, so what's, what's the correct word? that I'm looking for. I don't want to say impressed. Uh, I have been impressed, but it's just been a, a pleasure to watch his journey from the days of the NWA when he was a big highlight on those early power shows all the way to now getting to wrestle uh, a guy who I consider the, the best of all time, Brian Danielson, and just the overall match, what it did for, for both guys. Danielson, I mean, he he's a made man for the rest of his career, especially <clears throat> in AEW. Ricky Starks, though, I think everybody looked at him as the, the clean-cut baby face of just goes out there, Louis Vuitton, uh, bags and shoes with no socks and everything. It's like, oh, this good-looking guy. And this showed that grit side to him that I think a lot of people, a lot of a lot of characters might might be missing. And it just it gives a different element. I love this promo last night on Dynamite to where he can still be a heel and still do the like you guys can't do shit to me. You can't touch me. Like I didn't quit. You didn't make me tap out or anything. I just happened to to pass out from this. Like he 
such a good promo. This wrestler or this wrestling match showed a different side of him in the ring. I've equated it to Orton and Foley uh, from back in the day where Foley was a very, a very, this super chat. I'm going to go ahead yeah. and bring it up because it just popped me. Nancy Reagan, y'all got any of those neck shirts? That's a good, it's a, that, I, that is a good shirt. Those Roddy Roddy shirts that, that they're wearing. <laughs> It coming from Nancy Reagan on top of that with uh, her history uh, that, that is out there. Um, that's a good super chat. Shout out to you, whoever, whoever the hell you are doing that. Uh, that's really good. Um, but th- this match was very big Foley Orton vibes of Orton was look the clean cut handed everything. And Ricky hasn't been handed everything, but certainly the, the clean cut guy who, uh, you know, could just kind of coast by on certain things if they wanted to. And then Orton went out there and Foley went out there and showed a different a different side uh, to Randy Orton in that match. And I thought that's what happened with Ricky and, and Brian on Sunday. And just, I can't say enough of good, good things about both of these men and, and that performance they put on at All Out. <clears throat> yeah, I'm, I'm with you, man. It was, it was really cool to see for a lot of reasons. Um, like, the actual match itself <clears throat> was absolutely brutal. Like, especially when they, like, busted open with the, like, using, like, the the buckle of the, of the uh, strap yeah. to, like, get color and all that. So, I mean, yeah. just, it was, it was just brutal. All the, just the straps to the face. Um, and Danielson, like you said, I mean, he even said in the, in the post-fight press conference, he was like, Ricky Starks carried me through that match, which is, like, a, that's massive, massive praise from Danielson. To, for him to go out and say, someone else carried him through something is like, that's huge for like the, um, for like the reputation of Starks. And then I also caught when he talked about choking on the, uh, on the apple, on the, uh, apple seed. And I was like, Oh, Jeremy's for sure. Going to write an article about choking on semen for sure. Coming on, coming out of this. My brand is strong. My brand is strong. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I thought about you immediately, but Danielson said that he, uh, he uh he basically didn't use his right arm like throughout the entire match they didn't throw any punches with that arm and was just really smart about how he but really smart about how he worked and it it was just uh because i i definitely didn't notice during the match that he wasn't doing that and then when he pointed it out afterwards then i've gone back and watched highlights i'm like damn you really they they hid that well danielson even said there was a lot of smoke and mirrors in that match and it all worked you know Danielson coming back in the circumstances he did, because, you know, obviously the plan was Ricky Starks versus CM Punk in that strap match. And with Punk not being there and Danielson being out with injury for him to step up like that is just so massive for the company. And I love, I just love that, that scrum afterwards so much that media scrum he did because he really made it clear that he likes being that guy that if they need someone to step up, like he's there to step up. There are other people out there that are, are, you know, more about themselves and more about their ego and this and that. And Danielson doesn't need to do anything to, to cement his legacy. He didn't have to. Danielson would have gone down as a legendary performer before he even entered the WWE. Like it just based off of like his, his reputation on the indie scene, even if he stuck around there, it would have always been, the best wrestler to never wrestle for WWE or whatever would have been Brian Danielson. And like, and then you add the WWE run to it. It makes him legitimately, in my opinion, 
arguably the, the GOAT. I mean, being there at WrestleMania 30 was insane, you know, to see that live and, and the whole, even the match with Triple H at WrestleMania 30 gets overlooked because of the main event, but that, that was an amazing opening match. And that was still, there was still enough doubt out there. People forget there was still enough doubt out there that like Triple H could win that match. They're like, what if they just do the evolution thing instead of Daniel? Like they'd screw Danielson over so many times up to that point that they were like, even though it felt like it was Danielson's night, we still didn't know for sure. I mean, it was a, anyway, all that being said, the, for, for, for Danielson to be who he is and then come to AEW and then do everything he's done here since then. I think you're right. You know, I, I think, listen, I, I call Chris Jericho the GOAT, mainly because I've been watching him wrestle since, like, the, the late 90s, and he became one of my favorite wrestlers immediately the first time I saw him, and I've been able to follow his journey. But I'm also not going to sit here and argue that Danielson's the GOAT. Like, if people are going to go out there and say, like, when you look at this dude's resume, and, and he does stuff like he did this past weekend, it just cements it even more, where it's like, dude, CM Punk is gone. You, you feel, because the other thing is like someone big had to fill that slot. It couldn't just be like anybody versus Ricky Starks. Like with all the buildup to all of this, it had to be a, a, like a legitimate payoff for Ricky, for the fans, for, for the dragon, for everything. And Danielson was one of the few people could have actually been and all of this made sense and all of it pay off the way that it did. So, and, and Danielson didn't have to do any of this. He could have sat at home and been like, I'm hurt. Like, I'm, you know, let me at least recover. You know, y'all got a roster of a thousand people that can go out there and do this right now. And he didn't. He went there and did it himself. So, yeah, I can't say enough good things about Danielson. I thought that that strap match was the best match on the show. And, uh, and yeah, just uh, – and then also it put Ricky on the next level, like you said, similar to Randy Orton uh, against McFoley, similar to, you know, like, Edge versus McFoley. And McFoley did that for quite a few people around yeah. that era. Um, <clears throat> but, uh, but yeah, so this, this, is, this is all really, really good stuff all the way around, so – Danielson, you mentioned the media scrum after he talked about like stepping up and he said, you know, John Moxley and I, we, we kind of take on that role. Like when we're asked to step up, we, we will do that. And Moxley has certainly done it you know, every single time, whether it, it's a, a CM Punk incident or somebody else going down. I mean, the, the joke is that Moxley can't get his vacation because people keep screwing up and Moxley's <laughs> like, all right, sure. You need me for this show. Great. Let's do it. Danielson now it looks like and I think this is great it looks like collision might be his show which is you know for, for my money that I'm, I'm all about that um you know he was already involved with the creative side of of collision reportedly and now he now that he's back he's cleared he's wrestling again he'll obviously have a bigger on-screen presence uh Danielson has very much talked about being involved in his uh his kids lives and his wife uh his wife's li life um you know taking them to school doing all the school activities and obviously on a wednesday that's a little bit more difficult to do because you're, you're traveling you you're gonna miss wednesday you're probably gonna miss thursday uh part of thursday activities as well he wants to be involved with that doing stuff on a saturday makes more sense you can just fly in on the saturday do the show get back on a sunday whatever it might be and then you're home for the rest of the week to uh to be part of uh this the school week which is uh a grind in and of itself so it, it's good that he will still find a place on television he might not be on dynamite as much which is unfortunate i like to see brian danielson on every show ever but he's still it looks like he's gonna have a bigger role on collision 
which I think is fantastic because Danielson's philosophy when it comes to wrestling uh, very much is is up there. I think with what a lot of fans like to see, um, you know, his, his history speaks for itself. He's probably too giving in some instances of like, yeah, you should probably win this match, dude. You probably shouldn't actually <sighs> right. lose this one. Like you, you should probably just go ahead and be the champion, Brian. I understand you might not want to be, but you should probably just go ahead and be the champion. Uh, but I think he has a very good philosophy on wrestling. I think he's not afraid to even take some risk when it comes to comedy stylings and, and things like that. This man wanted to wrestle bear style. So I think he will approve certain things that, that might be a little outside of the box and things like that. So he says a good mind for wrestling. Tony Khan has obviously put him over and he said, you know, if I get hit by a bus, I would tell my dad, ask Brian Danielson to, to book the shows and, and be in charge of the show. So there's obviously a lot of respect, a lot of trust there. Oh, bless Brian Danielson. I, I, again, I will continue to say it. That's the GOAT, in my opinion, not only on screen, in the ring, as a professional wrestler, but as a, as a human being. I don't know Brian Danielson. I've listened to enough interviews with Brian Danielson, certainly. Uh, just some of his philosophies and, and things are a little out there and outrageous. But otherwise, seems like a very good human being with a, a lot of the uh, correct morals that you would want out of a person uh, as a wrestler or just out of a human being as well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I believe we share a birthday as well. I think his birthday is May 22nd. Um, really? Almost positive. Me and him I don't know what Brian Danielson's birthday is. And then uh, coincidentally, May 22nd. Yeah, yeah. So correct. And then I'm pretty sure Jericho shares a birthday with my dad. Small world stuff. November 7th. Um. Well, my so birthday it, is a week from Friday, Jensen. I expect okay. big plans from everybody. We have to, yeah, we have a celebration here on the spotlight. We we'll do, we'll do something to celebrate. Um, you know, with uh, <clears throat> another thing with Danielson that I think is is interesting, worth mentioning throughout all this, because you mentioned that uh, Tony Khan said that he would like if he got hit by a bus, by a bus, he would tell Sean Khan to asked Danielson to help take things over. And Danielson said that he, him and Tony Khan talked about how for like a while, Danielson was just shadowing Tony Khan. Like he was traveling with him everywhere. And Tony said that Danielson got pretty like burnt out on that pretty quick because Tony, it's like, we really, we don't see it with our own eyes very often, but Tony Khan, with, with all the stuff he does, he is just, his travel schedule is completely insane. And Danielson was with him, and he said that Danielson, or I can't remember if Danielson was talking about it or if he was talking about it, but but uh, but Danielson apparently recommended that Tony Khan hire Jimmy Jacobs to just, like, just be with him all the time. And so apparently Jimmy Jacobs just travels with him everywhere, helps him with creative and all this stuff. And I know obviously they hired more people like Will Washington and stuff. Like they, it sounds like they got, they 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 suck they they suck out help to, to, because Tony's just got so much going on, so many ideas, and he's got to be all over the place. And it's just so ironic how Jimmy Jacobs wound up being that guy. Like he lost his job in the WWE by taking a selfie with his friends, and now he's kind of like one of the guys in charge over there now, which is kind of crazy how that all worked out too. So. Um, but I think that's really smart for Tony Khan to have people around him like that, that he just, you get a lot of moments notice, just be like, Hey, we need to jump on a plane right now and go do this. And Jimmy Jacobs is just available to do that. You know, I think that's smart. 
yeah, Brian Danielson is about the, the that family life. He can't be traveling all over the place with Tony Khan. Tony Khan lives a uh, quick lifestyle with, especially with all the jobs he has going on. Uh, he, yeah, Danielson, he he can't be he can't be doing all that. Um, no, but yeah, that was you know Danielson again. Seems like a, a, a smart guy when it comes to this, and he knew or felt Tony Khan needed help in, in this area, or knew he maybe not not the right person for the job, and so he's like, hey, what about? Give Jimmy Jacobs a shot. So I look forward to seeing more of Brian Danielson on, on AEW Collision. I look forward to just seeing more of Brian Danielson in general. I'm glad he's back. I'm glad he's cleared. I'm glad he's healthy. It sucks that he missed uh all in because it seems like he was cleared. Um it seems like he was cleared the Wednesday before uh all out. So just missed all in the the plans reportedly were omega for all in i know nigel talked about potentially doing a match it sucks that he missed that moment at all in but they're going back next year hopefully gets it gets it then it's just good to see good to see the goat back uh answer a couple of super chats here before we move on to our other aw spotlight uh, if the last two aw shows taught me anything is that the company is far better off with that cancer from lockport gone not from my chicago I mean, I feel like uh, a lot of people feel that way. It's probably it's probably just a big weight off a lot of people's shoulders. Like obviously, yeah. CM Punk has his fans. He has his uh, he has uh, friends that are that are wrestlers. A lot of wrestlers vouching for him and stuff. Like I mean, it's not like he's on an island completely by himself and nobody likes him. It's just I feel like there's a lot of people who can now just kind of breathe and be like, all right, let's just move on, you know. Uh, and then Alex Diaz says, "Punk feelings aside, top five matches for him at WWE. Assuming you you mean like like going back to WWE, I would say like the Roman. I'm not gonna sit here and knock CM Punk as like a draw or anything. Like the the man proved he can move merchandise, move ratings, move tickets. So you got to put him in there against against top guys. I think a Roman program." Is a big business program. I think with Seth, there's a a big story already built in. Seth was calling him out back when Punk took the WWE backstage job, uh, and Punk just kind of shot that down, which is hilarious because Seth was trying to shoot himself into a work, and Punk just shot it down and was like, no. And then Seth just moved on, and Punk tried to shoot himself into multiple works with AEW, and they said no, and Punk could not just move on from some of that stuff. Um, so I, but I think a Seth program would, would be big. I, Owens, there's history there. That was the reported something that was pitched, talked about, an idea, whatever it might be. I think a Kevin Owens program would be good. I know you're not going to like it, Jensen, but Cody, Cody would certainly be a big program for for CM Punk. And then uh, Miz, Miz would be the other fantastic program. Honestly, you mentioned all the ones that really like would stick out to me. Um, yeah, CM Punk versus, uh, versus Kevin Owens being like reported out there kind of as like an idea that could have potentially happened if CM Punk, because there was like the rumors and stuff out there that CM Punk wanted to return to WWE and, and wrestle Kevin Owens and stuff. Interested that that would be the choice though, considering not just because of their history, but because Kevin Owens is really good friends with the Young Bucks. Yeah. And, like he's like his, his enemies are like owen's best friends so it's like it's really strange it's, it, anyway sorry go ahead jeremy you say something oh i was gonna say i mean you you remember the after brawl out happened last year owens just posted the picture of him and austin because that was cm punk's dream 
basically to wrestle Steve Austin, certainly to main event WrestleMania. And Kevin Owens did that. And there's the whole thing of like Punk making the comment about him wrestling in a t-shirt. You know, was it a joke? Was it overblown? Yeah, Owens is very good friends with the with the Young Bucks. He was the one that, uh, you know, they've told this story. He was the one that recommended the Young Bucks and Cody link up mm-hmm. when Cody left WWE. So, you know, it, yeah, Owens is very much on that side. I don't know. That feels like another thing when it comes to Punk who likes to play these, like, uh, kind of PR games and stuff. That feels like one of those of, like, I'll work with Kevin Owens, who was great friends with the Young Bucks. Look at the Young Bucks who will not work with me or take a meeting with me or even speak to me. But this guy, I'll work with their their best friend, one of their one of their good friends type of thing. That's what that felt like to me when I read that story. Yeah, I, I'm I'm right there with you. But thanks for the super chat, chat, Alex. Um, I think I think Jeremy, I think you covered the the main ones that that stick out as opponents for Punk potentially. So, L.A. Knight as well. Man, I'd love to see L.A. Knight go over CM Punk. <laughs> yeah, let's go, babe. You want to turn me into a you want to turn me into an L.A. Knight fan? Have him feud with CM Punk and actually go over. That would be. <laughs> ooh, yeah, man. I'll buy. I'll I will buy a, a L.A. Knight T-shirt immediately <laughs> and wear it on this show every week throughout that feud until he until he beats CM Punk. <laughs> uh, Jensen, your AEW spotlight is the great Christian Cage being an absolute menace uh on on the microphone on commentary he was in the corner of luchasaurus for for all out luchasaurus uh retained or christian cage i guess retained the <laughs> awtnt title over darby allen and then he ca- did the backstage segment with nick wayne last night on dynamite and then he was on commentary last night during nick wayne and darby allen as well <sighs> Thoughts on Christian Cage, Jensen? Dude, okay. I want to preface this by the way of saying that, like, when I chose this topic, like, I, I care about you a lot, Jeremy. Like, like, legit. I'm not saying I'm not saying this to be like I'm being sincere right here. Like, I know you lost your father recently. I got to meet him at your wedding. Like, I know that's a, and I didn't even think about that because I'm about to go in kind of hard on this topic. Like, because <laughs> Christian Cage's gimmick as a heel is so good. It's so good. It is. And when you're taking jabs at people's dead parents like i mean my mom's passed away right so i mean i i understand like if someone started saying this stuff about my mom i'd be like i'd be so i don't even know how to react probably i'd be like just confused that an adult would even go there the fact that christian cage has made his gimmick the man that attacks people over their dead parents and he's so he's just so ice cold in the in his delivery even at the press conference Someone brought up, oh. someone brought up like, "Hey, Adam Copeland, maybe free agent, and like, you know, would it be cool to see him around?" Kind of thing. And <laughs> Christian was like, "I don't have any friends or care about anybody except for this title, Luchasaurus." And it was just like, he started I, his press conference. He sat down and he's like, "How's everybody's father's doing?" Right. Yeah. Just deadpan, <laughs> just saying it. It was amazing. <laughs> Absolutely. It's- amazing oh, look, I, it, well, I, also, I thought he was gonna lose it by the way because like and this is nothing nothing against like the wrestling media because we have a lot of friends in those rooms when this stuff's happening but like so tony this is one critique i'll give and i don't know because i don't know if they're told ahead of time how long tony's gonna be out there like i don't know if they know before the wrestlers start coming out if like tony's gonna be staying afterwards and answering questions for them like by himself 
because yeah, he does he does that every press conference. Which is what I thought it, because this, they 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 model this after the and you know this because you used to cover the UFC as well. Dana White they started like this kind of whole post fight scrum concept after UFC shows back in the day, and he would stick around forever and answer all these questions for the media, mainly for Ariel Hawaii before they had a massive falling out. And my my point is, so when when Christian came out, the first handful of minutes he was sitting there, they were just asking Tony questions. They were like. Christian, good to see a big fan, but like Tony, you know, this or that, Tony, this or that. And I thought Christian was about to take that microphone and be like, all right, see ya. Like, I'm wasting my time here. Like, why aren't you asking me? I'm sitting here. I'm the champion. You're not asking me anything. And instead, though, he almost did something even better. He just he just sat there like he was bored. He just like <laughs> just sat there dead faced until someone said something to him. And then when then when he would give him a question, he would just give him a full on just heel answer. Like there was yeah. no because even like, even like you know, like Adam Cole or some of these other guys go up and they do their their press conference and they're pretty inside baseball about stuff. They're like talking about like the booking and like being injured and like this and that. And Christian is just committed to being an asshole, and he's doing it on television so well. You know, with MJF and Adam Cole and these kind of guys being, I think, because I think MJF as a heel is the best heel in wrestling when he's a heel. But right now he's he's working as a babyface and. With MJF as a babyface, Adam Cole as a babyface, Christian's the best heel in AEW, easily, in my opinion. And depending on how you look at the Bloodline story, because Roman is a heel, obviously, but he's also, like, got a lot of fans. Like, I I feel like Christian's the best heel in wrestling right now. Like, for what I like in wrestling, I think he's he's knocking out of the park right now. And that, that's, for a guy who, when he came into AEW, <clears throat> felt like a... Uh, to be honest, it was kind of like an underwhelming announcement when the big show said like someone big was coming into to the company and he came in, he won the impact title from Kenny in a really big moment. He, he had a good run with that, but what he's done now since, since flipping the switch is like, they're getting massive value out of Christian right now for AEW. And I believe he just resigned as well. So like, That's what he said, yeah, yeah, I, I love that. So I, I just want, I really just want to come on here and spotlight just praising Christian that after all these years, the time off he had with injury, all, all this stuff, always being second fiddle to edge for so long in his career right now. Like if I, I think if most people had their pick, right? Like 2023 edge or 2023 Christian. I think most people are going to go oh, Christian, like hands down. I have said this for years. No, I know you have. Years. I'm, I'm, I'm laying all this out for you. To, to, <laughs> I'm, I'm, this is a softball for you. So. It is because I've, for years, decades even, they've been around that long. Decades. Christian, always better than Edge. I understand people are underwhelmed by the announcements of Christian, especially AEW had such a track record of like building up these announcements. I mean, we had Danielson come in, we had Adam Cole come in. Christian had just kind of returned and people didn't know what to expect. And I didn't even know what to expect. Like, okay, Christian's there. Like that's, I thought it was cool. I don't think I was down on it. It's like, that's, that's, that's a good, that's a good pickup. I don't know what to expect from it. I don't know how much he has left, but that's a good pickup. Cause I've always just been a fan of Christian dating back to really since he, went out on his own. I got the, that's how, uh, that's how I roll shirt on. Uh, I, I don't have it on right now, but I have that shirt. Um, yeah, I, believe I, you. I believe loved you. Christian loved Christian still do. He 
is on such a roll right now as this heel character because you're right like he is he's always been at his best when he's been like a little prick um and he is such an unapologetic prick right now i don't know if you've seen that video where he's at like the convention and like there's a little girl um and she has a title belt and he takes her title belt and he wears he holds on to both titles and he has this look on his face and just He's the champion now. Disappointment right, that this yeah. little girl is holding this title and, and or has this title at all. And then the video does not cut off in time. He gives the title back, big smile on his face, like big joking thing. But like, he's so, so good at this. Yeah, the, when he does the Nick Wayne thing, he's like, tell your mom I said hi. And yeah. I was like, oh my God. Oh, also, I don't, I don't know about his personal life. Is, is he, not that it necessarily matters, but is he married? Christian. i believe they did legitimately get divorced oh, okay because uh, i'm gonna say like that makes it even like more of an asshole move like if he is married like yeah. you know what i mean like he's like i still say it stuff like that but it's dude it's a uh, man what yeah what <laughs> the, I, I love too because th- this all ties together with like the main event from from dynamite and everything last night too like the, i love how they're incorporated this story with darby and nick like even though I don't like that Darby wouldn't cough and drop him and stuff like you got to still try to win these matches. But the fact that we are essentially getting like a Nick Wayne Christian feud out of this also is just, it's just wild that like this is happening and that it just makes so much sense. And I bet a big part of the idea was literally Tony and the, the, the decision makers at AEW being like, dude, the, the Christian Jack Perry, dead dad stuff were really good nick wayne happens everyone everyone knows his, his dad buddy wayne it's, and like it just kind of all is perfectly lined up for something like this i can understand the people who feel a little uncomfortable with it i i know it's a wrestling show i'm fine uh with, with i it's become a meme and a bit and hilarious to me at this point like i pop when he's just like Heard you got a father. Yeah. <laughs> heard you yeah. heard you don't have a father anymore. Like, yeah. Heard about your dad, basically. I actually look. This is coming from me, who you, you mentioned, Jensen. I, I lost my dad three months ago. This is coming from me at the press conference, and I understand why people would not do this. But at the press conference, I thought anybody who asked the Christian a question, I thought they would need to state the the status of their dad, and yeah. then just let. Like I legitimately, I would have gone into that press conference and I would have been my Christian lost my dad three months ago and just see what his reaction would be to that. And if he buried me and my, my, my father honestly would have been an honor, would have been an honor for that. I honestly think I could be completely wrong. I think he would, I think he would bury you in front of the crowd and then he'd probably find out what outlet he worked for and be like, I think so too. Yeah, like, yeah, be like, hey, dude, you know, I just got to do what I got to do, man. Like, I, yeah, yeah, I and but like, I would have put him on the spot of that yeah. of just seeing, like, all right, can you stay in character through this? Because I would imagine he he asked Nick Wayne, he asked uh, whoever Jungle Boy, he asked like, hey, can I bring this up? Can we talk about? This? That's what's even um, funnier is you. That, I think I saw a tweet about this. Best case scenario, worst case scenario, he's just going out there and saying this about people. Yeah, I care. tweeted this. Oh, you yes. said yeah. that's a, that's that's a great tweet. I, I I didn't realize that was you who I definitely retweeted that. That is a great tweet. Jeremy said a best case scenario, he's going up 
and, and asking. Worst case scenario, just going out there and saying it. So it's like either way, it's awkward as hell that like this <laughs> to even to do this at all. People have to agree to this, right? Or they're not agreeing and he's just doing it. Yeah, like that's he's either going out there and he's just saying it, or he's got to ask an eighteen-year-old kid, like, "Hey, <laughs> can I bring up your Ted Dad in this promo?" <laughs> uh, Super Kick Party Bus says you'd use your uh, dad's fresh death as a bit. You have a twisted sense of humor. I do. Like anyone who who knows me, kind of kind of knows that. But look, Man. my dad supported what I do. Uh, I would understand. I get that it's pro wrestling. And everything like I, I would legit, I would legitimately do it again just to see what Christian would do. Could I break him with this? Like, could I get him to just say like, "Hey, man, I'm sorry about that," or would he actually go in and be like, "I don't know what he would say," but would he actually like say something? And then if he did, it's kind of kind of an honor to have Christian say something about that, like. I don't know maybe it is a yeah. twisted no 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 I, I i i understand where you're coming from a hundred percent my um, mom would re-watch this and be like i'm never speaking to you again um but <laughs> uh yeah. i maybe it's a twisted sense of humor i don't know i feel you gotta laugh at this stuff because otherwise you just feel awful uh, yeah about it so absolutely i mean and, and the other you know thing about this too with like i just i love that He's not just digging at just the idea that you know, people's parents are dead, but like he's he's like his promo or his confrontation last night with Nick Wayne. He's like, this is such great heel stuff. He's like, Nick, I'm sorry. Uh, I, I, I finally I found out about your dad. I know he wrestles now. I finally watched some <laughs> matches and stuff of him. I told you I thought he was bad. I apologize. He's way worse than I thought he was. <laughs> I'm just like, oh my god, that's so good because, like, Buddy Wayne was for all intents and purposes on like mainstream wrestling. He was a jobber, but he was like a legend, like locally, and he trained a lot of people and stuff. So like, but it's one of those things where it's just like, what a, I can't get over how good of just how it, it's it's the most basic, like not basic, but it's it's like it seems so obvious what he's doing and he's just doing it so perfectly and, and he can back it up in the ring. So like, you know, there's going to be payoffs to all this stuff. So like, I love it. I think what helps is I don't know Christian personally. I've, I've met him once, I think, but from all the stories, um, from all the stories, very nice guy from, from what people say, very nice guy. I, I remember there was a, a AW show. I think we were in Pittsburgh um, and, and we were at the hotel bar afterwards. Um, we were with uh, Luther um, and Luther okay. and Christian yeah. go back way, way. This is actually, you know, it was uh, after Christian won the impact title first episode of rampage nice. uh, from Kenny Omega. We were there and we we're at the, and Christian's there at the bar. It was a baby face this time. But he's just talking to everybody, hanging out, taking pictures. Being this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. If you had an extra hour in your day, what is the first thing that you would do? Read a book, take a nap, play some video games, do something for a friend, volunteer. A lot of us spend our lives wishing that we had more time. But the question is, time for what? And if it was unlimited, how would you go about using it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important for you and to make it a priority. And therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. 
Therapy is so valuable. It's gotten me through some tough times, really helped me reflect on things that are important, specifically with BetterHelp. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be the convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. This is so beneficial when you've got that crammed schedule and you can't even imagine finding that extra hour. You can do it all from home. Fill out a brief questionnaire, get matched with a licensed therapist, and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com Fightful today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash Fightful. It's so flexible and it can help you find that social sweet spot with BetterHelp. That's BetterHelp.com slash Fightful. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill nice to anybody who comes up to him and everything and like i think anyone who has heard actual stories of christian they know he's a very nice guy and by all accounts very nice guy so when he's just playing this character on television and doing this and staying in character it's a little bit easier to of a pill to swallow of like i i can separate the wrestling character from the actual person, especially if he's a, a person who hasn't like done anything awful in his life. Um, when he's been know, in he, the spot in, in the world of wrestling for like three decades or whatever, and like hasn't done something like that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's part of, I think it's pretty safe to say Chris is probably a pretty good dude. Yes. So yeah, he's, <laughs> he hasn't done anything like actually awful in, in, in his personal life. So I, I can very easily separate that between them. So that's why I, I think it's, I think it's hilarious. Um, yeah. I understand if people are uncomfortable, people don't like it. It is easy kind of heat. I do understand that. He plays it so well, though. He plays it so damn well. And, you know, I was like, when Luchasaurus won the title, it's like, but, huh? Because Wardlow had just <laughs> gotten it back. They hot potatoed that title so much. And it was like, what are we doing here? Now putting the title on Luchasaurus. It's like, well, okay, Christian's the champion? Okay, that I'm behind. I'm behind Christian being the champion, uh, just and using Luchasaurus basically as his wrestler proxy out there. I'm yes. behind that, but yeah, he's made this so so good. Bless Christian. See that that's the thing. It isn't it isn't just the dead the dead dad jabs. It isn't just because he's because he's also once again he's adding story onto this and he's and everything you, you like you just said like it's like there's a whole other story on within that story of Christian carrying around this title belt. And Luchasaurus is his surrogate. Basically, like you're saying like Christians or Luchasaurus is doing all the work and Christian's carrying this belt around and, and he's like belittling other people for, for not being champions. You know, like he'll, he'll be talking about this title belt and stuff and be like, you know, you got a real champion here in the room. Like, you know, you know, treat me with respect and stuff. And it's like, I love that his character is this like combination of like, just an asshole that's like delusional but methodical at the same time and like and he's a coward but he but he can back it up if he needed to and like 
Luchasaurus is just doing all the work for him. It's, it's a very... And then eventually Luchasaurus is probably going to get tired of this. And there's a whole other story in that. You're potentially, if and when Jack Perry returns from, from his... We found out he's indefinitely suspended. Tony Khan, you know, um, confirmed that at the, at the media scrum. But when Jack Perry comes back too, it's like there's, there's maybe legs and in, in putting those guys back together as heels to do stuff together and, or something i don't even know like but it's, it's just one of those things where like i just feel like this opens up the possibility so much for christian going forward um and it's great where it, it's great it, i i once again can't say enough good things i know you're already a christian fan i'm a christian fan as well but like i'm one of those guys who like i was a bit underwhelmed with kind of what christian was doing since losing the uh the impact title and and i never really understood his his pairing with Jurassic Express because I was like where'd Marco son go I love Marco but it feels like Marco just got replaced by Christian it was weird and obviously led to something you know good but it just feels like Christian's finally found like this is this is the spot for him in AEW and I also think he answered that question about Edge uh I don't think he just he I don't think he answered that without any thought I think he the reason he answered that question the way that he did I think there, I think there is a chance that Adam Copeland is coming to AEW, and I think if he does, I think Edge is going to come in. He's, it's going to be some sort of story where he comes in and he's like, "Like, dude, what have you become? Like, you are a monster. What, what is, what is this? Like, talking the stuff you're talking about. Like, maybe, and maybe you can build a feud between Edge versus Christian, and eventually, maybe they they rekindle and like you get some Edge and Christian matches like before they retire as a tag team or something. I don't know, but it just felt to me like. You know, for them to bring up Edge in the press conference, Christian or Tony or anyone could have really just no commented or completely no sold it. Or Christian could have been like, yeah, you know, I don't know what the future is for him, but, you know, we've been friends for you know 40 years or whatever. So Christian did no sell it. He's like, I ain't got this friend. But, well, but, that's, but, but, he, but he didn't completely no sell because he said that. That's kind of my point is he was like, he said that Edge isn't even his friend. He said he didn't even care about yeah, it. But- he was he was doing a character. No, no, I know, I know. That's the point. Is like that. I think that if if there are plans for Edge to come into AEW, you're planting the seeds already for like Christian and doesn't care about Edge anymore. Right. And Edge can come in and be like, I saw that press conference. I see what you're saying about about these people's parents. I've known you forever. Like what? The right. hell I, is I this? think it. I think it works both ways. Either Christian. I mean, he again. It was an in character response of like, I have no friends. So yes, Edge can come in and call him out on that christian can basically give nothing away uh of edge potentially not coming in or coming in and if edge doesn't come in then okay christian just dismissed them as not one of his friends so i think the way he played it was smart because if you give like uh no comment type of thing i think that gives more credence to like oh now he probably is coming in otherwise and you can't comment on it anyway because he's still technically under WWE contract. So right. I think Christian handled that very well. Okay. And Tony didn't say anything. Tony just left the question. Yeah. So I just think there's, yeah, I think it's possible that Edge could be coming in. I think, I mean, I think there was a possibility this whole time, but like I, you know, I think there might be some real weight to that potentially. But anyway, we can probably wrap up that, uh, that topic now. If you, unless you have anything else to add about Christian, but congratulations to Christian Cage, dude. What a, what a great run he's on as a heel. I love it. Uh, I'm going to pull the super chat from battery leg before we move on uh, just for you guys to say, thanks for being level-headed in this chaos of wrestling news. Just being positive guys that help me enjoy this crazy sport. I watch. Thank you. Thank yeah, you for supporting thanks. battery. Leg. We, we try to 
We try to be level-headed sometimes. sometimes yeah, every now and then I get a little heated, show a little bias, <laughs> have to address my enemies every now and then. But yeah. today wasn't the day for that. Like, I think I think y'all have already heard enough of my thoughts on a lot of that stuff. Like, it just there's no there. I'm, I'm done being a broken record. I'm done. I'm, I'm tired of talking about that stuff. Y'all are tired of hearing me talk about it. Like, I'd much rather be talking about stuff like Christian Cage's amazing heel than all this other BS. So we appreciate that super chat. Thanks for thanks to you and everyone else who, who joins us on these shows. That's either whether you're chatting or you're just watching or whatever, man, like we, we appreciate it. We do. We do. Thank you guys. Um, leave a thumbs up on the video. I don't say that enough, but leave a thumbs up on the video. Yeah. We never promote that kind of stuff. If you want to send super chats. Like we won't yeah. put them on the screen. We will answer them, but this is more of a show where me and Jeremy just like to come in here and talk to each other about wrestling once a week. But if you guys want to get in on the show, we'll always answer your questions. Let's move on to our WWE spotlight. I need to finish the story. In the WWE, the story never finishes. One story that is not finished, and who knows when it will finish, is Gunther's Intercontinental Championship reign. He, depending on who you believe, uh, he's either setting the record today or he sets it tomorrow. Regardless, he's going to set the record because he defeated Chad Gable um on raw to retain the championship he's not going to have another match unless he shows up on impact tonight or something uh he's not going to have another match there's no event scheduled so wwe recognizes some uh honky talk man's is 453 days which means that was yesterday so gunther would set the record today it's actually recognized by other official record keepers which uh i always defer to cage match on as 454 days, which would be today, which means tomorrow, Gunther would set the record. Regardless, he's setting the record, longest reigning Intercontinental Champion of all time, a record that has stood since 1988, and now Gunther now has that record. Jensen, your thoughts? Well, 1988, so that would have been 35 years, because that's, you were born, that's easy to do the math oh. on that. Yes. Um, but yeah, that's that's crazy, man, because I know that the title's been around for 44 years, <clears throat> so for that for it to be a 35 year long record at the honky tonk man and it's kind of weird now because then i'm not saying like i actually really love this by the way i'm going to get into that but for our whole lives it's always been this has always been like a, a stat or like something you said about wrestling like intercontinental title yeah honky honky tonk man you know like that was always like the you yeah he held the title for you he has a record and like we always felt for like that no one would probably ever break that because they hot potato that title so much over the years or they'd completely discontinue the title and like reintroduce it and stuff over the years too. But what, so first of all, congratulations to honky talk man for having a record that stood for so long. Like that, that's pretty damn cool. And people will always remember him for that. Now the main event of raw Gable versus Gunther. First off this match ruled like this was an, like this was a great, wrestling match um i love that there was callbacks to like gable beating him with like the count out and stuff and their matches previous and listen i don't think that anybody out there really thought that chad gable was going to win this match because like wwe is in this mode right now especially with roman and stuff where they're like breaking records and kind of rewriting history and stuff like that and i think they're doing that for for a few like multiple reasons by the way because there's you know anyway i i think that they're they're kind of going through and they're they're kind of rewriting history in certain ways and they're and and i think all part of it has to do with their their companies getting they're changing ownership and stuff and i just feel like it's kind of like a new era for the company in a lot of ways 
And <clears throat> and I think that uh, not many people, I don't think, expected Chad Gable to win. But I think that they did a really good job of at least building somebody to where it's like, this would make sense. Like, storyline-wise, it would at least make sense if Chad Gable won this match with with beating him by countout, with how close he's gotten, with how good of a wrestler Gable is, and how he's been able to just, how tough he is and how he's been able to stick it out during these matches and stuff. I think, once again, even though I didn't once go into that match thinking, like, Gable's going to win this, I was like, you know what? It, this is so much better than just, like, a random person getting a title shot. It's so much better than just grabbing someone off Raw and being like, all right, Gunther's, you know, got one more title defense until the, until he's, you know, got the record. Uh, who we got? Uh, and he just pick somebody. And it's like, all right, yeah, Gunther, go out there and beat him and go on. And, you know, you're, you're going to get the, the record. This was at least built for like a month or whatever plus of like Gable getting this, this real shot. And he took real advantage of it. Like this was a really, really good match. Um, the suplexes Gable hit that last, um, the, uh, like the sleeper suplex that, that Gunther hit at the end that looked like it, the Gable landed on his head, but he didn't like we, it, but it looked like it did initially. It just looked so brutal. Like, I love the finish just, and I love that Gunther finishes matches with different stuff. Like you never know if it's gonna. He might chop you like he did with Champa. He might just chop you and you just, you're, you just can't take it anymore. Similar to, uh, I always compare that finish to Champa versus Walter uh, or Gunther as, um, it reminds me of the second fight between Rory McDonald and Robbie Lawler, where, where Rob, where they, it was like the best fight in UFC history. It got all the way in, I believe into the fourth round and <clears throat> the fourth or the fifth. I can't remember, but I know, but I remember the end of it was basically Lawler just like threw a jab that hit, that hit McDonald in the face, in the nose. And because of all the damage that McDonald had suffered up to that point, the jab, took him out his body just couldn't handle it anymore it just shut down and he fell over and just like that was it that's how that's a walter match or sorry gunther match to me is like he breaks you down to a point where it doesn't matter what his finishing move is he can chop you he can clothesline you can power bomb you can splash you off the top rope it doesn't matter and i love the unpredictability in that and the the da- the, the danger that he he possesses in every one of his moves all of his moves matter and that's that's rare in wrestling i think um he does it really really damn well so i love that finish with the where he hits that that sleeper suplex power bomb clothesline looks stiff as hell one two three and gable came out of this elevated like you look at chad gable in a different light you see him more as a single star they've made it really they've really uh kept getting over the idea that gable's never won a singles title in wwe so i feel like that's going to happen eventually and they have that on their mind when they're booking this stuff going forward so this i i love the main event i love that this uh what is done for gable and i think that gunther not only has has this elevated the intercontinental title and elevated gunther and everything whenever he loses the ic title or even better eventually what they probably should do let me know if you agree with this or not and i want your thoughts on all this as well because i know I'm, i'm going off for a while would it be better for him to eventually lose that title to somebody and like really put somebody over, uh, you know, for finally beating him. Or do you do him versus Roman, like warrior versus Hogan type style eventually. And like, you know, cause at that point, what better way of building a threat than this guy who's held this title for this long and hasn't been beaten for this title going into a match like that. I like the idea of Gunther and Roman. I don't think they're going 
that route. Uh, I think it makes sense, though, especially with the way they've built up Gunther. And, and I, I've, I've said this before, but like, you know, he's broken the record now. I still want him to hold the title. I don't think it should just be, okay, break the record and then drop it. Like, don't drop it the next pay-per-view, which I believe is at the end of September, maybe begin- beginning of a... Oh, just really quick. Sorry. I'm not, I always forget, but there's this other title. You couldn't even, it might not even be just Roman, but maybe this idea also potentially with the world title that like with whoever the champion on Raw is. I want to throw that out there too as a possibility. Sorry. I, yeah. If he, if he beats Seth, I mean, Seth has the belt right now. Um, I think that makes a, a little bit more, more sense than going after. I mean, Roman makes the most sense because I think everybody should want to go after Roman. He's Agreed. the long reigning champion. He is the, the top of the mountain, but Seth with the story that they're telling that he's banged up and stuff, it would make sense for Gunther to be like, all right, I'll take you out and take this title as well. Um, but I want Ro- or Gunther to keep the title for a while. Still. I don't want him to drop it in the next pay-per-view. I definitely don't want him to drop it. Like, Raw or anything keep it till at least survivor series i think you can even keep it until rumble or or mania with him my sort of off the top of the head idea or um would be rumble he loses it at rumble who that is i think whoever it is you've got to have you either got to have a good long-term plan for or you've got to certainly make it mean something. Uh, Gable built himself up enough to where you could run that back at Rumble, and that would be a big moment for Gable. And I think there's life in a Chad Gable IC title run. I know people are saying Ilya because Ilya beat him in NXT UK, and there's a lot of people who cannot slay Gunther. Maybe Ilya is the person that Gunther cannot slay so i i think that makes sense sheamus is another one where sheamus is already made and doesn't necessarily need the title but because he's never held it him winning that title and ending gunther's reign i think is a huge moment for him but that's where it comes down to okay sheamus is made like you want to try to make somebody by by having them beat gunther and in this reign and then after this for gunther I think he's got to be he's got to be elevated into the next title off of this. That was always the thing in the 90s with the IC titles like okay, you have this title, you you hold it for however long, you lose, you're elevated. And that's what it needs to become, especially after this reign of I can't have Gunther losing this title and then he's just kind of still in the mid-card position. He needs to immediately or almost immediately. Maybe you beat somebody to get just gain a little momentum back with a win. Uh but then you go into the world title picture and Roman certainly makes sense on that. I just don't know if that's where they're going. I don't know where they're going with Roman. Honestly, it seems like it's all bloodline stuff. And I do think the end game should be Cody at WrestleMania 40. Um, so then with Gunther, you go to the, the raw title and whoever holds the title at that point going into WrestleMania 40. Yeah. I'm with you on all that. I mean, I bet, I mean, the good thing for Gunther is clearly, like, you wouldn't give him a run like this unless Vince, Triple H, like, whoever's, like, making these decisions is, like, all in on the idea of Gunther being a top star for them. And also, he made it to the, the end of the Royal Rumble. Him and Cody went at it. Pretty sure they had, like, a full match with each other before the, the end of that thing. I would love to see Gunther even maybe win the Royal Rumble. I mean, or something. I mean, just, so, yeah, keep just keep pushing Gunther. And this is also a testament really quick. I said for years, I was always, I've always liked Gunther. Um, he really blew up after that PCO match on the Indies. And then I, you know, I, I covered a lot of his stuff on the Indies after that. And 
I covered NXT UK the entire run that that show existed. I covered all those episodes for the weekender. So got to see that whole run. And like, I, I remember I was saying that whole time. I was like, this is really cool, but this is the best it's going to get for him because the second Vince sees him, he's just not going to take him seriously. Like as, as unfair as it is, I was like, he's just not going to take him seriously. He's going to see him as generic. He's going to think he's overweight this and that. We've seen this a lot of times with guys that are really talented, but didn't have the physique that Vince likes. And I remember Gunther came in or Walter at the time, he did like a survivor series match or something. And they brought him in and he got pinned by like Brock or someone like almost immediately. Like, do you remember what I'm talking about? He came in, they, they brought yeah. him up while he yeah, was people were, Yeah. People were yeah. very mad that he got pinned so quickly uh, in that survivor series match. Right. And and I was like, see, and I remember telling people at the time, I was like, see, like, this is exactly what I've been saying. And that's this is what I'm fearing. And that's why I felt like NXT UK or NXT was just going to be the best he got for him. But whatever happened where he got to that main roster, I, I can only assume someone came up to him and was just like, listen, we think you're really, really good in the ring. You've built a great reputation for yourself. Just leave and just get in better shape just come back in better shape. And he has made just a complete body transformation where like, and, and the thing is he still looks generic, right? He just looks like a, like, but that's, but he doesn't need, he doesn't need the flash. Like it, it's the, and, and, and the reason I bring all of this up about like the body transformation is because I think Vince probably saw that. And he was like, there's a top star right there. We told the dude to go, he, he did what we told him to. He came back in this kind of shape. He already had the wrestling talent and the, and the skills and the reputation and the respect of the locker room. Now we can go all the way with this guy. And whether it's fair or not, I don't know. But I think there's a very clear correlation between Gunther and what I think the plans were him before he went and he got in shape and what he's at right now. I think it's just night and day difference how the company probably looks at him. You mentioned it, and Greg Carter here mentions it. Uh, lose the title at the Rumble, then wins the Rumble. You mentioned him potentially winning the Rumble. Here is my sort of, not issue. Look, I'm fine if Gunther wins the Rumble. He wins the Rumble, though, you go after Roman. I think it's stupid yeah. if anybody wins the Rumble and is like, ah, you know what, I want this title instead of the main event against Roman Reigns. And I know you as the, the Cody fan, probably don't want to see Gunther and, and Roman Reigns headline <clears throat> WrestleMania. I, I know you much prefer that, that being Cody. I would, of course, but listen, I, I will give Gunther all the credit in the world. Like he's such, he's such a great, just professional wrestler. I just love the whole, just ring general thing. And I, I think that Imperium is really great. And, um, and, you know, even this idea, people, you know, you meant you and some people in the chat mentioning Ilya Dragunov, maybe being the guy, have they, is is he on Raw or SmackDown yet, or is he still? Yeah, no, he's in NXT. Okay, because he is fantastic on NXT UK. He was he was actually the guy that I was saying like if anyone's going to beat Walter, it should just be him. Either I was saying it should be him or Tyler Bate. I, I think the world of Tyler Bate as well. I think he's incredible. Is he on Raw or SmackDown yet, Tyler Bate? No. Also in NXT. What in the world is taking so long with that? Anyway, that's a whole that's a whole other thing. He was like 19 when he won that UK tournament for the title or whatever, and he could have been a major star then. And it's taken this long. Anyway, um, Ilya Dragunov. I think I think there's some good options there, but uh, but yeah, but I I don't think that you can really 
Hensel and Dragonoff or something like that because he hasn't even debuted on Raw or SmackDown yet. Um, and it's the same kind of thing for like Braun Breaker and that kind of stuff. I know he's popped in and out, but he hasn't like made the full move. So I don't know, but yeah, congratulations to to, to Gunther. This is it's cool that we got to see history, you know, happen in front of us. So yeah, uh, my WWE spotlight this week is the Steel City Street Fight. That took place at WWE Payback between Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn against Judgment Day, Finn Balor, and Damian Priest. Uh, there's been something missing to me for Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn's title run. Uh, injuries didn't didn't help. I know Owens was was hurt for a little bit, but unfortunately, the peak was kind of at WrestleMania, which uh, you know I was hoping for a little bit better after that. There was the Night of Champions match, and the build to that was, was good against Roman and Solo, but that of course became more about bloodline stuff of roman solo usos and everything otherwise like they didn't defend the titles on pay-per-view they had the match against like pretty deadly the on the uh smackdown before money in the bank i believe i don't really recall any of their title defenses they certainly weren't like in a big feud except for judgment day which seemed like it went on forever um and then owens got hurt and so they they had to sideline him for a few weeks and then it just became sammy this was a match that their their title reign needed. It's unfortunate that they lost this match because I think winning it would have done just more for the title reign overall. But I understand right now they're going with Judgment Day and basically just trying to make Judgment Day the dominant faction because Roman and Bloodline have kind of split. Roman's off TV for however long he's going to be off TV for. This is a way to potentially get Judgment Day on SmackDown because now they are technically the SmackDown champions as well, so they could show up on that show. But I thought this was a very good match, a match that, again, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn really once again just proved why they are two of the best performers in the world. And something, a match they probably should have just been having this entire title run. It's a shame that it took to the end of this title run to get to this point with them. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that, too, that it felt like something was kind of missing. And part of it, I'm not going to go down this rabbit hole, but I think part of it was the missed opportunity in putting the title on Cody at WrestleMania because that was, that was we, we, honestly, because that was that was intertwined with the story of Owens and Zayn, like the versus the bloodline. And when Cody didn't do that, it, I think that pigeonholed a lot of the possible storylines coming out of that where, like, Cody is the champion, Sammy and, and KO as the tag champions could have been, like, their own kind of, like, group. You know, and um, and we just didn't get any of that. Um, so yeah, I I, I like the the street fight a lot. I mean, they did some crazy stuff during that thing. Kevin Owens, I I was happy he didn't hurt himself on that swanton off the uh, like in the crowd. Yeah, that he looked down awesome, on it. By the it, way. Did, it looked awesome. It looked like it like, sucked, but it was awesome. <laughs> but I always get nervous, especially after like, um, was it a. Uh, Oh my gosh, which one? Oh, top flight. The that injury off the off the ladder, the ankle, the the ankle uh when they went through the tables. Oh, at ROH. Yeah, Dante. Yeah, Dante I, I was blanking on I was gonna call him Darius. <clears throat> um but like you see stuff like that, right? And obviously that's such a freak injury, but like but like when Owens came off that and he landed and he and he grabbed his wrist, I was like, Oh no, did he base on his like did he land on his wrist? Like that well, there's so many things that can go wrong in a spot like that. But Kevin Owens is the guy who 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 loves those opportunities. I, I know he's talked about how at a WrestleMania a couple years ago when they had like the big pirate ship as a part of the set, yes. he was like, I want to jump off the highest part of he, I think he wanted to jump off of like the top of like the arena if it was possible. You know what yeah. I mean? Like 
So, <clears throat> so that was uh. So it was what was it Darius that got hurt? It was Darius. It was no, no. It was Dante. Was Dante, Dante got hurt at ROH? Darius is still wrestling. Darius is still wrestling with an action Andrade. Action Andrade. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, I'm getting them mixed up. I don't know why. Um. But anyway, then when you see stuff like that, it's crazy. It just. It's, well, I mean, know. Darius got has been hurt as well, but. Guys, Darius yeah. was just in the over-budget Battle Royal th- this past week. I promise you he's the one wrestling, and Dante is the one who got hurt in the ladder match at, at ROH. But Darius has also suffered injuries. So yeah, they've unfortunately both suffered not good-looking injuries. Yes, yeah, 100%. So, yeah, the uh, anyway, the reason I brought all that up is because like a lot of th- things can happen. We've seen it happen. I'm glad everyone in that match is okay, considering some of the stuff they did, that they did. I thought it was cool how they like how Owens and Zayn like disappeared and then reappeared in the Penguins jerseys, yeah. Which I'm sure you like as an NHL fan. And then I also I almost just messed it up myself, but I thought it was funny that Michael Cole was like out here, you know, Pittsburgh Steelers, and Corey Graves is like, it's the Penguins. This is the <laughs> NHL team. This isn't the like like they got it wrong on commentary. I thought it was kind of funny. Um, and they were fired up. I know it's it's kind of weird because those guys aren't Penguins fans because they're like so about like their their home yeah they're montreal canadians fans but um sydney crosby mario lemieux both uh, one they're they're two penguins greats but they're also two of the best canadian players i mean they're just two of the best players of all time but they happen to be canadian so i think that was also why they went with those jerseys i've actually got this is so random that i have this here Something just fell. I have this in my, on my desk. This little Montreal Canadiens hockey stick that my yeah. my uncle gave me this when I was of a, a baby because he's a big <laughs> hockey fan from Canada. So I'm actually happen to have this old Canadiens hockey stick here with me, just as you happen to say that. I'm rearranging stuff in my office. Um, but uh, but yeah. So I mean, there's a lot. There was a lot of good stuff, and I, and I know I'm missing things too. I mean, the finish of the match was basically Sami Zayn had him dead to rights with a haluva kick, and then. Well, basically, well, what, what all kind of happened towards the end was um, <clears throat> Jaden McDonough comes out and saves the pin. Then, for his troubles, winds up getting pop-up powerbomb like, brutally into the announce table. Like, it wasn't even, like, a pop-up powerbomb. It was almost just, like, a giant, like, spine buster just threw him just back first right into the, the announce table, which led to Rhea Ripley coming out and spearing Owens through the guardrail. And then, when Zayn finally had the match, looked like he was going to win, um... When the JD came back in with the money in the bank briefcase and hit yeah. him, someone someone hit him with the briefcase from behind. JD, JD, and that you know now Judgment Day is the the tag champs. Uh, so you know, Balor, and that's the thing. I, I, it's it's pretty wild how interesting the Judgment Day is at this point. With like Rhea is for all intents and purposes, Rhea is a baby face. Dominic is getting more heel heat, more more heel heat than like anyone in the company. And then you have, and then like, and they're together. You have Balor and and Damian, who are kind of like somewhat feuding with one another, but also teaming as the champions. But like, they haven't had their big blowout. But like, there's a lot of tension there. So like, they're all champions, and they're all they all have completely different dynamics. And and Priest has the Money in the Bank briefcase on top of all this. So like, I mean. If I was Edge, I'd be like, man, I shouldn't have gotten out of this group. <laughs> you know, like, well, they kicked him, they kicked him out of the group. No, I know, but I, and behind the scenes, whatever happened, where they decided to like completely shift gears on on how they were going to present all of this, for somehow this has worked out great for for Judgment Day because like 
and, and also the timing with the, like you said, the bloodline being like broken up or whatever's going on there. They're like the focus of most of the shows now, like plural, Raw and SmackDown and NXT. So it's crazy. It's good for them. Yeah, they're they're heavily pushing Judgment Day. <clears throat> and look, I think Rhea is an absolute star. Dominic has has grown by by leaps and bounds since becoming a heel. Those boos are still piped in. Um, Valor <laughs> has always been a fantastic performer, and Priest has done really well in this role as well. Is it too much sometimes? Maybe. Um, I would have liked to see Kevin and Sammy. I would have liked to see them retain and then be utilized more on, on SmackDown with things. But then do you do bloodline stuff with them on SmackDown? I think there could have been more for them to do. I think they could have had a really fun feud with like Lashley and the street profits uh, as they're getting put together. Maybe that's the, the direction with judgment day. Although we're getting uh kind of Lashley and street profits against the, the brawling brutes potentially right now, you know, AJ is over there with, with the OC uh, he's feuding with bloodline right now. So I would have liked to see Kevin and Sammy's run last a little bit longer, at least have a little bit more to it after WrestleMania. WrestleMania was very much the peak, but at least they got a good ending to things with this match because this was, uh, I thought it was the best match on Payback. The the cage match between Trishan and Becky was excellent as well, but I enjoyed this one just a little bit more. I'm with you. All right, we're going to move on to our other spotlight. Our product is what it is. We're going straight up the middle. Friday night, tomorrow night, Victory Road, Impact Victory Road. We have a big-time matchup, at least in my mind, big-time matchup between Josh Alexander and Steve Macklin. This match was supposed to happen earlier this year when Macklin was going to challenge Josh Alexander for the title. Unfortunately, Alexander got hurt. Is that Macklin Rebellion? Up, was supposed to happen Rebellion? Uh, yeah, I think it was Rebellion, yeah. Um, Alexander got hurt. Macklin faced Kushida for the vacant title. Macklin won the title. Uh, moved on to defending it, lost it to Alex Shelley. And then Macklin ended up getting hurt not too long ago. He is back. Josh Alexander is back. They are going to battle at Impact Victory Road. And I would assume the winner would get a title shot leading into Bound for Glory next month. That is my assumption on things. But I'm really looking forward to this match. I think Macklin and Alexander over the past year, year plus, have been the, the top two stars as far as singles male goes in impact and this is a match that i was really looking forward to at rebellion for the title unfortunately it didn't happen and now we're going to get it here on victory road um i think i don't know if they're going to do a, a some type of time limit some type of double thing to where they set up a triple threat match at bound for glory i think if i had to pick a winner i'd probably go josh alexander what are your thoughts on this match jensen i like that it's happening finally I agree that they're probably the two most well-built male stars in Impact as well. I think I was there a Fightful Select report yesterday about there was I think I read something about Macklin saying that himself recently as well. How he believes him and him and Alexander, and I think he mentioned Deanna Perrazzo and uh, Jordan Grace is on the women's side, um, which I agree with too. I, I love everyone mentioned there, but. uh, I, I think as far as a winner, I think I'd go Josh Alexander as well. He never lost the title. Um, he might even still be the champion to this day, potentially, like if he had never vacated that title. I doubt it, but like maybe. Um, he was having a great run. Even before he became the world champion, he had a great run as the X-Vision champion. He had this hour-long match with TJP 
a while back that was like it was like the <clears throat> it was like on bti but it but it like carried over into like the first few minutes of the actual impact show and i remember that happening and being like not enough people were talking about this because it was like but it was it was like a really really damn good match it went like an hour long um if i remember correctly i could be i, I could be getting uh, this was a while back but i remember i was having like a really really great run with that exhibition title and then you know great run with the world title too so i feel like you got to give him a shot to try to get that title back and i'd probably have him win it honestly i'd probably have him become the champion again and give him an opportunity to like have have the run have another run for a little bit and then actually like lose the title to someone and like put someone over how they maybe were kind of planning to initially but um yeah i'm not i'm not sure i'm not sure i, I like i mean i obviously like the matchup but i'm I'm really interested to see how it goes. Cause I'm sure the match itself is going to be really good, but you also have me now thinking about the possibility of like a non-finish or something that leads to a triple threat or like a multi-person match or something. I definitely wouldn't prefer that, but I also respect the idea of like Macklin and Alexander both deserving to have a spot like that. So, but I wouldn't want, I want a real finish in this match too, though. We waited long enough. Like I want like a real winner and loser here also. So I'm kind of torn between all those philosophies there but um that said i do think it's gonna be a really good match and i do think josh alexander will probably win i i'm with you on the fact that there's a lot that could happen as far as how you're gonna book the winner um i don't think you can go wrong with either guy alexander or macklin i don't want a non-finish either i would prefer that not to happen if you do a time limit that's one thing because I don't mind a time limit finish like a double DQ or something that feels very cheap uh, for fans. It's not going to, it's not a main event match. So that, that helps a little bit. I just don't like any type of DQ finishes in these, these big matches. So I'm okay. If they go with like a time limit to set up a triple threat, uh, we, we had Alex Shelley on in the weeds yesterday and we asked him like, who do you prefer to face? And he kind of gave the, the answer of like, you know, either one, he praised both guys and he said that, you know, both guys are, two of the best right now and they're very similar and they deserve this spot and I, I think he sounded like he was leaning maybe a little bit more towards Alexander because Alexander had not lost the title and obviously Shelly beat Macklin for the title right and I think that's why I'm leaning towards Alexander as well because he technically did not lose the belt but I do think had Alexander and Macklin wrestled at Rebellion that was going to be Macklin's time and Macklin was going to beat Alexander you're probably right you're probably right uh, Jensen, your other spotlight for this week is Ricky Shane Page winning the MLW National Open Weight Heavy. They, their title names confuse me. I'm pretty sure it's just the National Open Weight Championship. Uh, beat Jacob Fatu in a weapons of mass destruction match at MLW Fury Road, which I'm sure uh, didn't probably get the coverage and love that it deserved because it was on at the same time. It was on actually two hours before all all out but everybody was just waiting for all outs and then by the time all out happened everyone forgot about fury road but your thoughts on rick shane page against jacob fatu and rick shane page winning the title well one one critique i'll give mlw because i'll I give them a lot of praise right now as well with the, how they're finally running their pay-per-views live on fight and everything and airing the stuff way way closer to when they tape it and stuff for 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 fusion so um the one critique i would say is for fury road they should have made sure that the main event of Alex Kane versus Willie Mack, which was a great main event, by the way, was 
<clears throat> they should have made sure that that was uh <clears throat> excuse me they should have made sure that that was uh done before um all out started i think they and- were planning for that i think they wanted to finish by eight and then it just happened that things just ran long yeah and, and but those running long for that handful of minutes is crucial because they're running on the same platform they're both on fight tv well sure you sorry they're not both well depending on where you live the aw you could either watch them but either way like you either have to switch over to bleacher report or you could watch either way you had if you're gonna watch aw all out unless you're gonna dual screen which a lot of people do a lot of people had to make that decision to switch over to aw and miss the end of the MLW pay-per-view, which I think is a bad, that's kind of a miss for MLW to do that. Now that said, earlier in the show, the opening of the uh, the pay-per-view, Ricky Shane Page defeated um, Jacob Pachu, as you said, for the National Openweight Championship. And I, I, I like the match a lot. I like the story with all this a lot. I love the calling as a group. Like I, I love seeing guys like Akira and Ricky Shane Page finally find like a real spot that works for them in wrestling outside of like just like the independent scene. I mean, RSP and 440 were the focal point of GCW for years. And then all of a sudden they were all just completely gone. And like seeing Akira and RSP become the tag team champions, Akira already had the middleweight title. You have um, RSP now as the openweight champion. So they're both double champions and also both tag team champions. They're both mentored by Raven. They get really cool vignettes and videos. I think their music's cool. I think their presentation's cool. I think it's like actually like a really interesting thing going on in the wrestling landscape right now that not enough people are really talking that much about. I think I think the Callings are a really good group. They had a great feud with the SGC and MLW as well. And I love that. Uh, I mean, the, the finish, you know, basically the numbers game got, got to fought too because Akira came out and attacked him and, during that, Ricky Shane Page was able to dick kick him and then hit him with a even flow DDT onto the open chair, <laughs> which looked brutal. And I love seeing RSP just like using the even flow or the Raven effect, whatever you want to call it, as as his finisher, as a homage to Raven, their mentor. And I've always been a fan of like the nest and Raven's flock and all this stuff. And this is kind of like an extension of all of that. And I, uh, I, I so I really enjoyed it. And I'm just I'm happy to see RSP kind of like find a spot that's working for him right now. Cause you know, once again, was the face of, I shouldn't say the face. He was the GCW champion for a long time. Focal point of the show had some kind of shots in AEW, didn't wind up landing there. And I think he's found a good home for himself in MLW. So congratulations to RSP for becoming the new MLW national boy champion. Move on to our, and if you've not seen MLW Fairy Road, it is on uh, Fight Plus. They're doing the, the specials every single month. Suzuki, Minoru Suzuki is going to be at the next show, which I, I very much look forward to seeing him uh, murder somebody in MLW. Murder Grandpa. That's right. Uh, move on to our indie spotlight. I'm going to give a big motherfucking shout out. Lash LaRue is back, baby. Wrestling Joey Janela this past weekend at GCW. I was. Lash for for a guy he didn't have a long career in the business like he only wrestled a, a handful of years he was legitimately one of my favorite guys in WCW even though like he had such a very small role and everything love the raging Cajun thing love the 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 pose that he would do, oh, Lash oh. <laughs> it was so so much fun it was cool to see him back at GCW enjoyed and then he did an interview with uh, Colt Cabana on Art of Wrestling after the match. He said he felt good. He said, uh, you know, it's kind of like riding a bike again. 
and we will see if he will take more bookings and stuff moving forward. He said he's open to it. So if you want to book Lash LaRue, get out there, everybody. I love it. I love how all this came together because he like, I remember he, he he tweeted something or he 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 started maybe he was doing like a wrestling seminar or something not that long ago, and when word got out there that he was interested in wrestling because he hadn't wrestled for thirteen years, immediately guys like Joe Janela were like licking their chops because Janela Janela's the best because he just wants to wrestle like all of these dudes and he has <clears throat> connections and ties to like everyone every single promotion every single promoter and he's just like okay yeah how can we get this guy on the show what can we do like paul london he talked about how he just wanted to take him everywhere and have him wrestle everywhere he was i remember i spoke to janela starcast years ago and he's the one who got uh soul train jones virgil on AEW tv because they wanted to like do that bit with him with jericho and they were like does anybody have his number and janela's like yeah i got it like janela just knows everyone <laughs> I love that. Yeah, and I mean, he's done it for a lot of guys. Like, the he's he's a great guy to put in there with like the veterans that you want to like keep over in a setting like GCW, like like when X Pac came through or like Ricky yeah. Morton and stuff like that. Like he's, <clears throat> you know, Joey Janela is the best the best person. Kota Ibushi when oh, he yeah. came to the states, like he wrestled Janela. That was his first proper wrestling. He did the Bloodsport match against uh, Speedball, but like <clears throat> the first actual wrestling match was Joey Janela, and that's a really fantastic match too. For sure. So, so you know, Lash Luru, like, he looked good out there. Like, he just looks like he's a little older, which is expected. It's been 13 years. He did a tope suicida into a DDT on the outside at one point. Like, he was out there going for it. And he, he had his, uh, his finisher, the, uh, like, the land, I can't remember what he called it. It's the landslide move where you, like, off, off your shoulders, uh, Metal League driver, whatever you want to call it. Um, he did one of those, like, off the second rope through a door and stuff. Like, so last year we went, we went out there and went for it and he still looks good. And we've seen plenty of guys like PCO and stuff have these like random resurgence on the Indies. And I think last room could be one of those guys if he wants to keep going out there and doing it. So um, I really enjoyed last versus Joe Janela. Joe Janela wound up getting the win with a super kick ultimately, but um, Blue looks like he can go out there and keep doing this. And it was, it was good to see him. And I was a WCW kid. I remember, you know, the misfits in action. I remember all this stuff. And, uh, and uh and yeah so this is a lot of nostalgia for me and it's good to see a guy go out there and like actually and like uh i should say actually because most of them do you know hit my expectations but i didn't really have expectations for lash Lou after all these years and he came out and i thought he performed really damn well so if lash Lou, if you ever see this man i hope to see you back that was that was a lot of fun and shout out to joey janela for for obviously you know everything he does to make sure everything goes so well for everybody yeah yeah um it was good to see him back i hope he does continue again he mentioned that he's open to it if promoters book him if fans want to see him he's open to doing more he said he felt good so hopefully he gets some uh more spots around the around the country cabana man dan uh who our interview is with here in just a couple minutes he mentioned lash larue and training with him and uh he mentioned his, his comeback that, that he just made so um uh, Again, everybody can listen to the Cabana Man Dan here interview in just a couple minutes. And he mentions uh, some things about Lash LaRue. My indie spotlight is John Moxley just showing up places, just as John Moxley's want to do. Showed up at AAW uh, to help Robert Anthony against Mance Warner. And then he cut a promo on Mance Warner. We've seen Moxley and Mance in AEW. It feels like we might see Moxley and Mance, I would assume, in AAW now because that's where they shop this kind of angle <laughs> at. But, you know, Revolver is certainly an option. One called Manders mentioned that he wanted to face John Moxley. 
feels like we're going to get Moxley and Mance in some capacity on the independent scene uh, in the near future. Which I absolutely love. I love that for Mox. I love that for, for Mance. And Mox is the kind of guy where, like, we always, you know, people are always joking about, like, you know, Moxley never gets to take his vacation and stuff. There's nothing that indicates to me that he, this guy wants to take a vacation because he's spending his off days showing up at indie shows like this. Like, that's so awesome. And the pop that crowd gave him, because they had no clue John Moxley was going to be there. And the lights go off, and when they come back on, he's in the ring, you know, standing in all black, black leather jacket, black jeans, you know, eyeing down Mance. Mance is already a crimson mask. Um, and, yeah, I mean, hit Mance with the uh, the um, double arm DDT. Just man, I, I, I'm with you though. I mean, I, I don't think they they would do this without any payoff um, coming soon. So I think that we will get Mance Warner versus Moxley. And like you said, I mean, we, when we interviewed Manders, he said he wanted to wrestle Mox and Mance and and uh, Manders. Obviously, very close members of the second gear crew. You, I think that could potentially very well bleed over to where Moxley wrestles uh, Manders, or they do some sort of tag team match. Maybe yeah, you could do Manders and manders and um mance versus mox and sammy callahan could do that mox and i mean because he helped robert anthony oh. i would think moxley and robert anthony against manders and, and mance uh that's that, 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 that would make oh i did i did my mind just goes straight to like <laughs> nostalgia of like which is right. you know because because they because you mentioned like revolver and stuff too because it's like you could you could do like callahan versus or callahan and, and but you're you're right anthony would make more sense considering that was the match that we saw and he helped them. So you're, you're right. right about that. Jensen, I know you got to run. Let's everybody know where they can find you at. <clears throat> yes. Y'all can follow me on X at fight talk underscore F I G H T T A L K underscore. Use code fight talk and independent wrestling.tv. And um, listen to the weekender podcast. That's usually on when, or sorry, usually on Sundays on fightfulselect.com. Uh, sometimes Mondays, depending on what's going on. I will most likely have this show up this week before the noon, 1 p.m., depending on where you are. The Before the afternoon NFL games on Sunday, I'll probably record it in the morning. Um, so, yeah, that and that's just a heads up for everyone who listens to the weekend or during the football season. The schedule gets a little wild because depending on when the Vikings play dictates when I record the show. So I'll always make sure to update everyone on when things are happening on my Twitter or X at fight talk underscore. Um, good to see everyone here in the chat. Good to see you, Jeremy. And I hope you all enjoy this interview about to hear with Commando Man Dan. Uh, very much looking forward to that. And also, <laughs> I know Jeremy will probably get into this too, but we've been uh, we've been kind of chronicling the the uh, the story of this bell shot that you're going to hear about and see a clip of. And Dan's the one who got hit by this thing. We've talked about it with Green. We've talked about it with Koo. We'll eventually talk about it with Marco, I'm sure, as well. So, um so anyway, good to see you, Jeremy. Good to see the chat. I'm going to clock in for the shoot job, and I hope you all have a great rest of your day and a great weekend. Skull Vikings. Thanks, as always, Jensen. Appreciate it. Have a good day. Yes, football season is, is among us. I'm sure we'll be talking uh, more about that. I meant to show you this photo. I know you have to run, and I don't mean to keep you uh, okay. show me the photo. too much longer. This uh, Our pal Louis, uh, Louis Villa, sent this uh there you go. Look at oh, that. man. <laughs> oh, man. That's funny. Hey, I appreciate the effort there. Thank you for 
anyone who ever wants to do that kind of stuff by the way i i always appreciate stuff like that even if it's like a joke about me or against me i think it's funny anyone who wants to take the time to like put my face on something or like me addressing my enemies or really anything like i that that kind of stuff always pops <laughs> pops me so i appreciate it. that's a good way to start my work day off seeing something like that so yeah, yeah i appreciate it see y'all have, have a good weekend have- have a good day, Jensen. Talk to you later, buddy. There you go. All right, let's get into it. Uh, Cabana Man Dan was in the creator spotlight this week. We have, uh, Jensen mentioned it. We've talked about this belt shot that that happened um, with Violence is Forever against, they they were giants. I think they must be giants, uh, which is Cabana Man Dan and, and Marco Stunt. And it's Dominic Greeny leveling uh cabana man dan with this this bell not belt I, I think i misspoke with this bell and we talked to greenie about it we talked to kevin Koo about it we talked to mose who is in the building uh about it we talked to cabana man dan about it as well we've never actually played the clip but we we got clearance to play it uh so we were gonna if you've not seen this you've heard about it if you've watched enough of our interviews and stuff even if you haven't watched the interview sometimes jensen I'll just bring it up randomly. This is like the most famous independent bell shot in the world. But if you've never seen it, I'm going to play the clip for everybody right now. Bell. No, the match is still going on. That's oh shit. So there you go. You can see when he hits him in the back of the head with that thing. Uh, Commander Man Dan is not seemingly fully expecting it. And then he hits him in the face and then he leads to a bloody mess. So that is the infamous belt shot at SUP that, that we've mentioned multiple times on this show. And now we will get into it with Commander Man Dan. We do ask him about it. Uh, a lot of other fun stuff with Commander Man Dan. We talk about SpongeBob, which of course popped me. Um, talked about some WWE extra work time in GCW, uh, the break he had to take from wrestling due to an injury. A lot of fun stuff with, uh, Cabana man, Dan. So here we go. Cabana man, Dan and the creator spotlight. Welcome to the creator spotlight. The interview portion of the spotlight here on fightful. I am Steven Jensen joined as always by Jeremy Lambert. And our guest today is the master of the flip flop chop. He is, he is bikini bottoms, favorite wrestler. He is the castaway. He is CMD. I know this man by a lot of names. I've fallen for a long time. We have Cabana Man Dan in the house today. Dan, how are you doing, man? Thanks for joining us. Uh, I'm doing great, Stephen. Jeremy, thank you for having me. And Bikini Bottoms, most dangerous Dan. Just wow, you really pulled that one out of uh, left or right field. So I'm, uh, that 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 made me smile pretty hard on the inside. So I forgot about that one. Man, I, I was actually thinking about it. Like I, I usually kind of just go off the cuff for these intros, and I try to think about like. You know, just things about about y'all that like that I remember, and I, I'm a big fan of Southern Underground Pro. Uh, that's where I really started seeing you like often live when I lived in Nashville. We talked before; it's been years though since like we did anything like recorded or anything like that. So like, a lot to talk about, and you've you done a lot throughout your career. You've been around a long time. People might not know this, but you started wrestling like around the year 2000, right? Yeah, I started training in 2001. Um, I, I've been backyard wrestling since like 99, 98, and then. Uh, found an outlaw show in the back of an antique store. And that's why I uh, learned to wrestle, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Who, who actually like broke you into wrestling for people who may not know kind of like your history, like getting into the business of wrestling. Uh, I was trained at wrestling Christian fellowship by chief little Lynn was my initial trainer and the show shut down about a year later. And this was before social media. And 
we didn't know where to go. So <laughs> we just, uh, we, we got literal word of mouth and found other shows and, you know, just started wrestling wherever we could and uh, outlaw shows and uh, got trained more by uh, Jack Lord, Todd Zane, uh, Dan Sawyer, Adam Roberts, Patrick Bentley, and some, uh, just anytime I could get into a ring before the show, even with, with like Lash LaRue or, or take seminars, uh, took a bunch with uh, Quackenbush back in the day and uh, um, just anybody, you know, Steamboat, Gangrel, just, I have a whole list somewhere. I mean, I can send you my resume and it's like really, really long as far as, uh, as far as seminars and stuff. But I mean, you never really stop training and I always try to hop in the ring before shows and work out with anybody. Now, someone you just mentioned, I don't know, Jerry, I don't want to take any questions from you, Jeremy, but someone, someone you just mentioned, Caban Mandan, Lash LaRue, just recently made his return 13 years away from wrestling, just wrestled, wrestled Joey Janela at GCW. Um, how does that feel as someone who like knew him back then seeing him like, because I was always, I was a Raging Cajun fan back in the WCW days. I was a WCW kid. So like, um, yeah, how does that feel seeing that? Like, like just like last weekend. Oh, uh, it was great. Um, you know, back in the day, we worked a lot of the same Alabama shows. Um, and he was the type of guy, you know, he, even though he was a TV guy, uh, fresh back on the Indies, he was in the ring with greenhorns like me working out and trying to uh, spread some knowledge anytime he could. And, you know, I saw it again at Top Guy Weekend over the summer. He was at Rocket City Championship Wrestling in, in Huntsville. And after everybody left, he hopped in the ring. And you could see that spark and twinkle in his eye. And he pulled one of the trainees into the ring and started bumping him around. And I was like, okay, he, he wants to do this again. And then he started cutting a promo. And that's whenever uh, I think he was announced for GCW within the next week. You know, So it was cool. Um, I I did want to ask about the Bikini Bottom stuff because I'm a big SpongeBob fan. And obviously, I, I assume it has to come from the SpongeBob. So I just need to know more about the origins of this nickname here. Uh, well, it was a cross between like uh, Ken Shamrock being the most dangerous man. And then uh, back when I first started, before I had any like wrestling gear, I used to wrestle in uh, just yellow board shorts. And I would come out with uh, a, a yellow shirt that just had SpongeBob's face on it. And the whole shirt was the rest of SpongeBob. And it was like an angry girl face. So I would come out with that. And then I had a straw hat and a grass skirt and just whatever I could find back in the day to, to really get into a, a fun Islander character I just put it on there and I really loved uh, Spongebob then and now and um, you know I just I tied that in and then with Southern Underground Pro I was like you know let's just go you know let's just really go there and uh, we did Bikini Bottom's most dangerous Dan instead of man so I like Dan and man puns uh, so it just it all kind of worked together great yeah, and one more one more SpongeBob question before Jensen yells at me. No, no, no. Wants to ask about all the wrestling no, no, no. stuff. No, this, this, people want to know this kind of stuff. So yes. I, just, I just don't know a lot about SpongeBob, and I do apologize. I think during my intro, I said Bikini Bottom's favorite wrestler. It had been a while since I heard that intro. Uh, you yes. called that, so fair, fair, fair enough. But yes, being Bikini Bottom's most dangerous Dan to be. Yes. I mean, all maybe even their most favorite wrestler. There was the episode where Patrick and SpongeBob wrestled each other. So I mean, maybe Patrick and SpongeBob are. More favorites than Dan, but we'll give Dan the nod saying Bikini Bottom. Where are they at? Him. Yeah, that's right. Who they've ever now. beaten? <laughs> Technically, that match went to a draw, so that's nobody right. won that thing. Um, I was going to ask, like, kind of favorite SpongeBob episodes. Oh gosh! Oh gosh! My dog just jumped on the cord and almost <laughs> yanked my laptop off the off the table. Um, oh gosh! I just got into a, a long 
like binge and then there was some there was one on twitter that's like hey stop what you're doing and watch this episode of spongebob and i was like well i don't work i'll just stop what i'm doing and just watch this episode of spongebob and it it was whenever um spongebob came up with the the colorful crabby pat the, the oh yeah. yes and the then pretty uh, patties. Mr. yeah the pretty patties and yes. then uh and then um mr krabs you know swindled him and stole it from him gave him the crusty crab and then and then those uh pretty patties like made everybody sick and turn colors and stuff and wanted their million dollars of refunds and he ran away so that that that's that my current favorite because that's the most recent one that's how my mind works <laughs> Fair enough on that. I bring that episode up a lot with uh, I have kids and they like to, you know, have the Play-Doh and stuff. They'll mash the Play-Doh and it's like, here, it's a pancake. I was like, there's this SpongeBob episode where it's just different colors of hamburgers out there. <laughs> Jensen, I will turn it back over to you for, for the wrestling side <laughs> no, of things. No, dude. It all goes hand in hand because, no, I thought it was smart. Like, um, Southern, you know, subgraphs, like especially coming out in um with like the, the coconut and the glasses and the flip-flops and the whole thing worked really really well one of my favorite moments from kind of that era was when you i can't remember the full team but it was it was like team sup represented in like the collective weekend like and that was just a really cool moment just like seeing you guys like out there in front of like kind of like the bigger stage too because i once again i know i know wrestling has to have changed a lot since i mean just even the distribution alone of wrestling has changed a ton since you've been involved um so can you speak to kind of that like i guess kind of um just how how much wrestling has changed not, not like like how how big independent wrestling has become and like how many people can watch it now versus like back when you started doing this well it has changed a lot first thing it's like everything is instantaneous and the delivery of wrestling is uh it's okay. one second You're i'm good. gonna go put you in the bathroom hold on a second you're good. The dog has had a run in. Dog made a run in on this show. Your man, my dad's gonna go heal on the dog. In the yeah. Oh, 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 never mind. Didn't go heal. Went total baby face. I actually went to a uh, off topic. I actually went to a uh, pet store yesterday just to look around at some some animals and didn't get anything, but I did uh, pet the bunnies and a Yorkie. So oh, putting that out there. Okay. Well, I mean, like I said, it's like that. My style, you know, hasn't changed a whole lot in this whole time, but everything else around it has. Uh, back in the day, like maybe like mid 2000s, you know, we started getting that X Division and that Ring of Honor style. And then Scott Hensley will coin that me and Christian Haim kind of adopted that style and started doing it in Alabama first. And uh, I'm blown up just from running across the house. I'm so sorry. <laughs> But uh, I mean, the main thing is just the distribution and the word of mouth of how to get get uh, your shows out. That, that's the biggest part of it. And social media changed independent wrestling. Uh, even from whenever I took a break in 2010 and came back in 2016, it was like light years in that six years than what than what it was as far as the delivery of it. What uh, what made you leave, and then what made you come back uh, in that time? Well, I was wrestling at a show in Piedmont, Alabama, called Pro South. It's a weekly show on. YouTube every Friday, even now. And uh, I was wrestling Christian Haim and everything was fine. And then two days later, I woke up with like a severely pinched nerve in my neck that paralyzed my arm from the elbow down and uh, drew, drew my hand up like this and I couldn't, couldn't use it. Mm. And uh, at that time, you know, I didn't have a kid yet. I was working on my hands a lot and it was like, wow, this is really serious. Um, so I took six years off. I was going through 
uh, some therapy on my neck and just to alleviate that. And, you know, the feeling came back and I can use my hand. And then uh, I just took a break. I was like, this is a sign. And then the scene wasn't really great. Uh, it was just the same guys and just outlaw shows. Like I didn't know really a lot beyond uh, Alabama, Georgia, Tennessee at that time. You know, I think I traveled outside of the South like two times to IWA Mid-South and to Chikara. Um, but uh, what brought me back was New South um, and Central Alabama. That was the main one. Uh, Dump Sanders and uh, Chris McInnes and Christian Hame were there, and they invited me to come check out one of their shows. They were, they were doing something special is what they said. So I, I came and checked out the show, uh, started working uh, at commentary and backstage, but it wasn't until I watched a triple threat tag match between Team IOU, which is now the Carnies, versus mm-hmm. Viking War Party, which was uh, War Horse and Herzog, and Roscoe Eat Lisa. So, I mean, these are like some names from the past, and they just killed it, especially, uh, you know, the Carnies. They brought back, and I'll, I'll credit Nick and Carrie to this day of bringing that, that, that magic back to me in wrestling, that you can be entertaining, you can do these crazy moves, and you can get the crowd invested in what you're doing. And they got me invested. I was sitting right next to, uh, to Donnie Primetime, like poking our head around the locker room. I didn't know him yet. And we were both just like going apeshit about this match. And I was like, I got to get back in. So I started getting in shape, just, you know, maybe, maybe have one more match. And then uh, a week before another show at New South, John Wayne Murdoch had canceled and Dump called me. He's like, hey, man, I need you to wrestle this weekend. I was like, oh, I haven't wrestled in six years. Oh, you got Christian Ham. It'll be fine. So I stunk up the joint that night, but I, I woke up two days later and I wasn't uh, paralyzed. So I was like, well, maybe I'll just have a match every now and then. And then I have more matches uh, in that last, like, in the, in the previous like seven years than I did in the first 10 times two, probably. So it's been a really, really strong and fun run, uh, especially 2019 to 2022. Uh, really amazing stuff. Did you keep up with wrestling at all dur- during your time away? I mean, I would keep up a little bit, you know, I would show up at uh, pro South every now and then, or if dump would invite me dump or somebody would invite me to a show. Maybe it was Christian Haim, IW deep South before, uh, there were the shits and um, uh, I would just do commentary or whatever, but I wasn't really plugged in anymore. People were doing stuff, but I wasn't, I was just doing life. Well, you know, you, you mentioned a, a decent amount of people, you know, that we've talked about or have you, you know, talked about on the show pretty often and stuff like Scott Hensley, for, for instance, did you, have you known him like that, that long? Cause obviously there's a connection there with Scott running the SCI and SCI and, and action and stuff and, and, and new solid like kind of every kind of that like ecosystem kind of in like the whole scene. Um, and Scott's somebody who's kind of like an unsung, unsung hero kind of, in my opinion, like someone who I think does a lot behind the scenes for a lot of people and puts on really great shows but isn't necessarily the one who always gets like credit for that. So um, so if you want to kind of speak about him a little bit. Well, um, there was a weekly Tuesday night show in North Alabama called Full Throttle Wrestling. And it was right on the Georgia-Alabama line. And you would get some really wacky guys on occasion. You'd have uh, Eric Young, James Storm, Tracy Brooks, uh, Samoa Joe, Chris Hero, um, Sterling James Keenan, which is Corey Graves now, would just – randomly show up on a Tuesday night. And that's where I had met Scott or he was in the crowd and saw me. I mean, there was just a lot of people that were going to that show. Braden Toon was a little kid watching that show. And even Conrad Thompson was going to that show. And it's just, it's just so crazy. Cause this is like middle two thousands 
if it, like maybe oh five oh six oh seven. So I mean, that show was like a precursor to a lot of like that super indie show. I mean, yeah, there was some like Alabama wrestling on the show, but I mean, you I tagged with Samoa Joe in on a Tuesday night there, and uh, you know, and then you had Chris Hero there, and it's just like, what are they doing here? <laughs> you know. <laughs> All right, and well, now I got to ask, what was it like tagging with Samoa Joe? I know it was 2007, he, he, but still 2007, Samoa Joe had a good ROH run, and I believe it, even TNA stuff by, by that point. So what was it like teaming with Joe? Well, I mean, you know, I had to carry him through the match. <laughs> sure, right, sure, sure, fair no, enough, fair enough. No, uh, he was actually in TNA at that time, and I think he was working with, a, he was working the Indies with like a bad back. So he was wrestling Insane Lane in a quick one-on-one, Christian Haim came in and made it two-on-one. Cabana Man Danny comes out and makes a save. We're to have a straight-up tag team match player. So it was amazing. Uh, Joe, Joe was a treat to work with, and I don't even know if he remembers that day. I mean, he pro- he's been everywhere. I remember it really, really well. And, you know, even before the show, he was uh, dropping nuggets of knowledge to people and, uh, you know, just, you know, just, you know, just giving what, you know, he knew. And uh, it, was, it was a treat. He's, he is huge in person. He took a picture with me and my wife, and, like, both of us together is – not as big as Samoa Joe. And he shook my hand in the middle of the ring. We got a nice picture of that. And it was like, it's like, here's Samoa Joe with this small kindergartner. So it was, it was really cool. But uh, that, it was, it was great. You know, I got, I got, you know, I, I, yeah, I like it, you know, it's, it's something that I get to uh, keep, keep on my mind uh, and memories forever in wrestling. And it's just, just another Tuesday night at the, at Donna's country music barn. That's awesome. Um, there's something else you mentioned is Dump Sanders, who you're a former, New South tag team champion with obviously a guy who is very uh, important to New South as, as are you, um, you know, being a former multiple time, multiple time, you know, New South champion yourself, um, hold that gigantic title belt. That if, you, <laughs> if, you, if you'd like, actually, you know, before we get into anything with, with anyone else, if you'd like to speak to that title belt a little bit, because I know I've talked to you about it years ago, but most people probably don't know the story of like how that belt came to be this gigantic world title belt. Okay, so it was made by Brian Bearden. So if you watch that uh, TNA era, he was the timekeeper, and he was their their version of the sweaty, oily guy back in the day. Well, he made he made uh, some belts back in uh, uh, when New South first started. So they had sent Chris McInnes designed the belt, sent him the schematics, I guess. Uh, he cut the plates out, sent the picture back, and was like, "Whoa, these plates are like." one and a half times too big and it's wrestling and it's and dumb Sanders was like you know what fuck it you know bigger is better in wrestling it'll be a story so it was a total accident and it's like you know what let's just have the biggest damn belt in independent wrestling and just embrace it and uh uh they did and man that thing is a son of a bitch to carry around in the airports it always it always gets flagged i always have to take it out every time it goes through the uh, x-ray machine they like swabbed it for bomb residue one time i'm like what is happening here so um, it's it's I started just carrying it in a, in a nasty old pillowcase. That way, nobody's gonna steal a title belt if it's in a in a nasty pillowcase. Like we had it under a Greyhound bus, and like the guy unloading everybody's luggage didn't want to touch it because I'm not touching that nasty bag. Because I got it, man. So I went and got that. So um, so yeah, it was a crazy thing when I had the the belt for for that year. Anytime I was wrestling like a Black Label Pro or when I went up to uh, Pizza Party Pro and, and beyond and stuff, I would always have the belt because I wanted to show it off because I wanted to be like the the best spokesperson for New South 
Southern wrestling and Alabama wrestling as I could, and I just carried it around everywhere. I didn't walk out with it if I was going to lose. I, you can come see it at intermission. <laughs> so, uh, uh, and then, then, then like every six months or so, that that goofy picture where I had where I'm struggling to hold the belt always goes viral either on Reddit or Facebook or Twitter, and and people don't even know that's me anymore. And it's really funny. That, that is funny. Can, can you can you speak more to uh like your, your relationship with Dom Sanders and like uh, guys like Brandon Williams and stuff who like in, in prime time, like guy like long time, you know, really influential, you know, pieces of New South. Yeah. So I met, I met Dump when he was uh, wrestling as triple X uh, with uh, Christian Haim, who was sexual vanilla at the time. And like the most outlaw, like it was, this was back in a, this, this, this show was called Mickey's. And it was ACW and it was in the back of a boot store. And I tagged with Buff Bagwell that night. And um, I met I met Dump Sanders there. And this was like maybe 2003. So fast forward, we like become friends. We're on shows a lot. And then um, he was the one that, you know, invited me to come to New South to check out what they're doing. And then, you know, I got fully sucked in. And, um, you know, we had the, t- the the fantastic first ever tag team championships of, of New South run. And, um, you know, you know, and uh, work together a lot, you know, during those times. So he's probably one of the hardest working uh, promoters and bookers in the Southeast, if not all of indie wrestling, because whenever he sends like the summer schedule, it's like almost every weekend we're in a different town, different part of Alabama, or we're in a different bar or a comic con or just high school. So it's crazy. I want to ask about this match, which I'm going to call the, the housing match okay where, where it is dan Housen, dan the dad effie warhorse against you uh devin monroe Housen, megabyte ronnie Housen, puff Housen. please tell me about this match and how it came together and, and any experiences from it well i think uh mikey at black level pro was having a very high fever and went <laughs> to sleep one night and then decided to do this uh dan Housen team versus four other Danhausen. And I, I, I think they announced that match before I was booked for it. And I was like, man, I hope they, I hope they booked me for that <laughs> because Cabana man Danhausen, there was like this really bad Photoshop picture of a long time ago. I don't know who made it, but it was like, it was a, a conglomeration of uh, Danhausen, Cabana man, Dan and Colt Cabana. And it was Colt <laughs> Cabana man, Danhausen. And it was just like, a, a bunch of broken action figure pieces put together. And I was like, ever since then, I was like, it'd be really cool to be like doing this. And then it happened. And um, it was really wild because the previous time I was at black rebel pro, I was still like the happy go lucky flip flop chop guy. And then fast forward to like maybe two years later, when I come back, I'm like doing the castaway gimmick with the big beard and like totally different look and uh, jacked and all that. And it was really fun. Um, uh, Dan Housen did, did our makeup along with um, uh, uh, Kayla and um, I, another girl. I don't remember their names off the top of my head. Yeah. But I can't remember the other girl. I remember Kayla doing it though. I for sure yeah. remember her they're, being they're, a part of that because she was she was tweeting about it. Like yeah, yeah. yeah. And we we did that, and it was it was really fun. And like it was just total like silly match, but it was really fun. Uh, I haven't had a chance to work with. Um, Warhorse before and Dan the dad and, uh, and, and Effie like that. So, um, and Danhausen, uh, we've worked uh, several times before that, but it was really fun. Dan the dad has, has been on our show and he is very fun. And Megabyte Ronnie is, uh, 
uh, a friend of the show at this point, I, I would say anybody yeah. that does an eating competition with me, I, I'm going to consider a yeah. friend of the show. So just looking at that uh, cast there uh, was very exciting for me. I'm going to have to go back and, and watch that. I did want to, you, you brought up Colt Cabana. Have you talked to Colt and, and ever gotten any advice, been able to, to pick his brain? Cause I know he is very uh, respected on the independent scene just for basically everything he's done for the scene. Well, we've only met like one and a half times. Uh, I went to one of his uh, $5 wrestling live shows when they were in Atlanta uh, several years ago. And I was like, hey, if I tell you who I am, will you punch me? And he's like, no, no. And I was like, I'm Cabana Mandan. He's like, oh, holy shit. And, uh, you know, we shook hands and stuff. I mean, I haven't had, I didn't really get a chance to like pick his brain because he was getting ready for the $5 wrestling. I mean, if anything, he was dropping knowledge during the $5 wrestling on what not to do. So uh, that was good. And like, I had a weird thing. I always thought we had heat. Because back in like the early 2000s, they had an NWA convention in Nashville, and I was representing uh, Ultimate NWA, and there was a guy there, and I don't know if this was real or not. He was claiming to be uh, Scrap Iron Adam Pierce's brother, and he's like, hey, you need to change your name because there's already Cabana in wrestling. And I was like, I don't, I, don't, I don't know Colt Cabana. I mean, I'm like a kid at this point, and we both had like the Cabana name at like the early 2000s, like, I'm just, I'm, we're not even the same. I'm doing like a Hawaiian character. And then uh, I always thought we had heat because of that. And uh, I guess we didn't because he didn't punch me in the face. And uh, then the next time I saw him was uh, I was doing streamers and ring crew for Ring of Honor. And he was there doing commentary. And I was like crouched by the table, by the commentary table, like collecting gear and streamers. So that's the half meeting was that one. <laughs> We need to clear up. Yes, we need to clear up. If you if you have heat, it doesn't seem like it. You think I don't if think you introduce so. yeah, if you introduce yourself as Cabana Man Dan, he didn't immediately be like, "I'm not talking to you." Then <laughs> I, I think I think things. No, I'm. I don't think so. And I think even like there was a time whenever he might have been in one of the developmental things with a friend of mine at another show, and the friend of the, the other guy in developmental was at an Alabama show, and he like sent a picture of me to him or something like that. I don't know. This was a million years ago too. So I'm, there's, there's, there's sillier things to have heat at, uh, with other people in wrestling. So I think we're okay. Now, now speaking of heat that, Uh-oh. that, okay. So this, uh, this is not, this was potential heat that I know isn't heat. And that's why I'm bringing it up. But there is something that's very infamous. Something that we've actually it's become like a long going, like kind of story arc throughout our show. You've been doing me and Jerry are doing our show together interviewing a lot of independent wrestlers and stuff over the last, how long have we been doing this together, Jeremy? A little over a year together, a year and yeah, a half, something a year like and that. a half at this point, yeah. And we've interviewed, um, you know, a lot of guys, and, and, and two of them that have come on the show were Dominic Greeny and Kevin Koo. I was live in the building in the basement east when you got hit in the head by Dominic Greeny with wow. a ring bell, and it was the most brutal, just, just, chill just the the vibe of that place changed suddenly with everybody just being concerned as to what the hell was that and you were the one who got hit we have not talked to marco yet he's the only one in this story we haven't gotten you know his piece from yet in this scenario but what was that like in that moment because it's become like anytime i bring up that match they might be giants versus vif the first thing gets brought up is was that the match with the ring bell (laughs) man the first thing was like that I thought I was like, that really fucking sucked. And I don't know what that was. I was like, so I heard him ring the bell. I was like, okay, here we go. I'm about to turn around, you know, and get hit and get hit in the head where I'm seeing a bell coming towards my face. 
So I know what to do. And the next thing I know, I am uh, on the ground. I mean, I heard the bell. Like, it was so comedic. Like, if you watch a cartoon where someone gets hit with a bell and they have it makes that bell sound, like, you wouldn't think that would really, really happen in real life. And it sure did because I have that hard uh, Islander head. But uh, I knew that I, I took a second and I was like, I, it wasn't even a second. I was like, I felt, I was like, yeah, but I really need to get hit again in the front because I want to bleed. I, I you know, I got, I got, I, I'm, I'm going to bleed, and this is how, how I'm going to bleed. I got to get hit in the front, so I had to like sh- shake it off, and it instantly had like a an egg on the back of my head. I could feel it like instantly, and uh, I had to get up. And this was like halfway through the match too, yeah. so we had a lot left to go. <laughs> so I really couldn't worry about it at that time. Uh, I, I needed to worry about it later. So, you know, it happened and we still had business to attend to and we just kept going. And that match is one of that, that match is my, I don't know. I have, a, I have so many favorite sup matches. Sup is like my home away from home. The basement East is the home away from home. And a place where I shouldn't have gotten popular at was the place where I felt like the most popular at for, uh, for, for, for me. And I, I don't know why, but uh, it's, a, it's a place I miss uh, dearly. And um, but yeah, anyways, yeah, it, it happened and we, we had to keep going. So that, that, that's there, there's no heat there. It was just more like a what the fuck? Hey, I'm sorry. I was like, <laughs> dude, we were just we were just going wild out there. I mean, if it was just like a regular professional wrestling match and I get hit with a bell like that, that'd be really uh, a reason to be upset. But I got him back with the flip flops with the tax on it um, yeah, because I pressed them. Uh, pretty pretty hard into his into his head uh, as hard as I could for for that time and uh, until he made me stop so I I feel like we were we, we got a receipt pretty quick on that and kept back kept back at it yeah well and, you know it was good to know that you guys just kind of like it was like it happened receipt just moved on no heat going forward um and other wrestlers were more mad about it than i was <laughs> i uh I, I believe it. i mean because i mean a lot of decisions were made for that thing like i mean that was the main event i, rem- I remember this very vividly because mose who you know one of the you know, i know he's worked for new south as well in the past um but mose and me were talking during intermission of that show because ally catch and, and brett eisen had just wrestled for this bone storm title and i was confused i was like why did they put the world title or their the, the bone storm title on the line in the and it's like such a big match for sub because like Ali catch the heart and soul of the company and threat being the champion he was and everything. And, and Mose was like, just wait till this main event. Like I think this main <laughs> event's going to be pretty worth it. And I was like, Oh yeah, I bet. I mean, I just, I didn't know what to expect. Were you, I know that, I don't know if it was like a few of y'all or just you or a few, like, were you one of the ones who like kind of made the decision on the spot? Like I'm going to bleed tonight. Like I know there was like a, a few of y'all were kind of like deciding what was going to go on during this thing. And maybe some of y'all hadn't even bled before this match and like decided like this was the time. I had never done that. I mean, I've, I've, I've bled like on accident, but, uh, but I've never done a match where everybody's bleeding like that. Like I've never done like death matches or real plunder matches where it can get messy like that. So I wasn't going to at first, but then I was like, you know what, when th- this is, this is a program that's been built for eight months we got violence is forever. This is supposed to be, you know, this street fight. There's weapons. There's there's sharp objects out there. There's no glass, thank God. But, you know, let's really make this special. And it was kind of like my own peer pressure. And, you know, I had a couple beers. I was like, you know what? Let's do this. I know I have to 
drive back to my home, pick up my family and drive to Orlando for a week at Disney. But I got to get color tonight, baby. And uh, so if you if you fast forward and see my family photos for like Monday or Tuesday at Universal, rather, I have this big bandage on my head. <laughs> so my wife is real thrilled. But, uh, you know, no, it wasn't it wasn't going into that day that I, I didn't know I was going to be bleeding buckets. But they made some really damn cool eight by tens because it's like a hardcore CMD. And that wasn't what I was about at the time. And I don't really want to go down that path too often. <laughs> it was worth it though for the, for the, sure. I mean, Oh yeah, man, that was, that, that match is going to live on forever. That was, that was at that point. That was most, actually to this day. I think that's the most brutal match I've been at live. You know, and I've been to some GCW shows where things are pretty wild, but that was everything happened. There were skewers. There was tax to the feet. There was tax to the chest from you. There was the, the bell shot. I mean, not just the, the surface of it. I mean, little Marco stunts blood was all over my sandals, dude. I mean, it was like, <laughs> I mean, it was, it was, that was brutal. Um, and also you mentioned it's, it's pretty topical. You mentioned, you know, thank God there was no glass. What's your opinion on using real glass in wrestling? <laughs> I mean, you can, I'm not, and please don't do it before my match goes out. <laughs> And whenever That's I fair. see it, whenever I see like glass being used and I see it and it happens or thumbtacks before my match, I'm always so pissed off. And like, I'm like running around backstage, like someone better clean that up. I'm re- and like, I'm like, I, I get heated about it because it's like whoever like put the car together realized I'm wrestling after some sort of hardcore match or something that involves glass. And you had to put me after it. You should put me before that. But hey whatever i remember one time there's actually been a few backstage stories i've heard that i won't talk about about people getting really upset about stuff like that um i've heard about well, one person that no one would be surprised about. i've heard about loki getting very upset about these things um it shows um also i've just kind of funny i remember uh one time dr cube they like they they took his big cardboard box and like used it to get all the stuff out of the ring in one show because it was like we got to get this out of here now. And they didn't have anything else to put all the, all the glass and stuff. in, so they just grabbed, grabbed his, his helmet, his, uh, his mask helmet, whatever you want to call that and use that to get the ring clean. So I thought that was kind of funny. I would be pissed too for them. I mean, you got to put that on your head. Have <laughs> yeah. <some respect> get <laughs> a broom. <laughs> Garini, Garini mentioned, he's like, you know, he's done a lot of, a lot of things in his career and he's like, yeah, you know, I don't mind taking some, doing some of the hardcore stuff of the times. Right. He's like, but the tax to the feet glass, like that was the worst thing I've ever experienced. So yeah, imagine doing all of that. And then, or if you have it before the match and it's not cleaned up and you accidentally step on a tack or a piece of glass or something. I have done that. Sucked. Oh, and it just, it, it just takes me out of the match. Like I will stop in my match and just be like, take it off. And like, like I just get mad. And then I have to like, turn the switch back on. Okay. Now we got to go back to what we're doing now that I've removed uh, a shard out of my foot. Let's get back to what we were doing. But yeah, it, it totally breaks my character when I'm out there and I'm, it just makes me mad. But oh, I, I could not imagine we I, I have kids and they leave stuff around everywhere. And if I just step on something or trip over something, I'm just completely, I'm like, what are we doing here? Children, <laughs> what are we doing? So I imagine it's very much the same thing. of like, all right, there's just a random tack in the, the ring and, this and it's just here. one. And yeah, it, and that's the worst. Yes. Yeah, that's my biggest fear. Like, not even as a wrestler, as a fan watching wrestlers, like with in death matches and hardcore matches and stuff. My biggest fear as a fan is seeing someone just catch a stray. Like, like I wouldn't be that concerned. I mean, I I wouldn't want to do any of it personally. That's why I talk about it instead of getting in the ring, of course. But you know, I I, I would imagine if you took like 
a thousand tax at one time to your back, it would be better than not knowing you were going to step on one tack and it just catching you in the wrong place at the wrong time. Well, I'm determined to be the next action Mike Jackson and the less of that <laughs> that I can have in my matches, the longer my career will be. So there you uh, go. we're fine. There you That's go. It. That's a good goal right there. Um, I was going to ask you about your experiences at, at GCW. You've made a handful yeah. of appearances for them, and especially with the GCW New South shows. So what were, the, what were those shows like? Man, it was amazing. Like back in January when I wrestled Blake Christian, I mean, that, you know, we saw how much time we were going to have. And it's like Blake is, you know, he's, he's the current champion now, if I'm not mistaken. Still I mean, he's is, a top yeah. guy there. And, you know, we've worked each other and known each other for quite a while in the Southeastern scene. Like, we met uh, the first time as uh, extras for Raw in Memphis. And that's before, that's like right before he really blew up. And then, you know, we worked each other at like Wombat and just like various random shows like tagging and against each other. Um, but, you know, he had grown up and matured so much as a, as, as a wrestler to, to January of this year. This is a big match for me. So, you know, I can't be in there and like stink it up. I mean, it was a good it was a good time to for my character and, and the direction of, of how I wrestle to meet with a true heel. And that's when you get the best out of me as a true baby face versus a true heel. And we could tell a story. And that's that's you know, that's what we did. And that's what it, it was. It was a really great, uh, great match book by Brett um, is because you have like Mr. Uh, outside of uh, Adam Priest and, and, and Mike Jackson, you have Mr. Alabama with Cabana Man Dan, like three generations of. The Alabama guy versus uh, the current top guy. And it was really good. And then the next night versus Tony Depp and replacing a hurt Brandon Williams. And, you know, I didn't know that I was going to have that match until that day. So that was, that was another treat. And it's like Tony Deppin's another top guy who's everywhere. So uh, it was back to back, just really banging matches with, with, with top guys and really good stories um, in the vacuum of both of those matches too. So I was really pleased with uh, the turnout of both of those. I, you know, went one and one that weekend, so I was happy with it. Yeah, and the fans really gave you a, a great reception as well. Which I, I, I won't, I won't forget about that either because I had, I had trimmed down uh, like ten pounds for down to one forty nine that night, and I was like, okay, I look good. I came out and I was like, I was blown away. Like I was like, yeah, I'll get a good reaction being you know who I am in in Huntsville of all places, but fuck man that was a really good reaction like during intermission a lot of people was like hey you know i remember seeing you at global championship wrestling back in 06 or i was there on tuesday nights in 07 you know a lot of people that used to go to alabama shows all came to the first gcw show in huntsville and it was just like story after story it's like hey i met you and i was in elementary school and now i'm graduated with a from college with married with kids. I was like, Oh, I'm really old because <laughs> I had started when I was 16 and I'm 38 now. So it's like, yeah, someone I've wrestled for people that were children when they met me. So it's crazy. You know, Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Jeremy. I was going to ask about being a WWE extra. You mentioned doing that with Memphis and with Blake Christian. Was that the only time or have there been other experiences as well? Uh, I, there's two other experiences. Cause I did like a, a Monday in Memphis and a Tuesday in Birmingham in 2019. And then recently this year I did one for in Knoxville for SmackDown. Um, I think back in the summer or, or spring. So it was cool. It's always cool to see how the sausage is made. And I don't pass, I don't pass. They're very, they're very thorough on their physicals and I'm, I'm a very beat up wrestler. So 
uh, it's just cool to be part of it. And if they have stuff that's not physical, like being uh, uh, part of the uh, Adam Rose guys or the uh, conga line and just being backstage doing whatever I get, I get to do that. Or I did, I did get, I did get a a sing brother thrown on me a bunch (laughs) one night by Braun Strowman. And that was really funny. I mean, I talked to Mr. Man that night too. And that was, Okay, that was wild. And, yeah, please, you can't just gloss past that. Okay. Yeah, you've been some man. Who do you ever? What do you ever do? <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, like, I'm not strong. I'm, I'm not starstruck because we're there, you know, conducting business or whatever. But and then you have Vince Man walk up to you, and you're like, that's that's like the Godfather of like of of, of, of professional wrestling as I know it. And um, you know, he they had they had produced a segment and kind of you know said what they wanted to do. So now it's time to present it to Vince. So he's walking up and like. You know, he's told, well, Braun's going to throw the Singh brother on this table right here, and there's two other tables behind us. And he's like, looking, and he's like, okay. Well, goddamn, can't Braun throw him to a third table in the back? And not really show that, you know, Braun's a you know, big deal. I say, like, yeah, we'll, we'll do that. But no, it, we had the Singh brother thrown on us. Let's do it again. Singh brother thrown on our table a second time. Someone yelled, fuck. And Triple H said, you can't say fuck. Do it again. <laughs> so we just did it a few times with this one poor Singh brother. And then there's like, okay, well, let's do one more with the other brother. And they take that take. So, you know, the, it, it was funny. So, I mean, it, it was really cool. Just it is like a hive of all the production people, whether they're local or the ones that come with them. It's just like, this is like a, a full thing. This is like making movies, pal. So it, it was crazy. It was awesome. Anytime, anytime I can go and just be a part of that, uh, I try to because it's, it's, just, it's just really cool. Yeah, you said um, you got you did both the, unless I heard you wrong, you did you do both the conga line for Noah Noah Jose and Adam Rose's uh no just 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 the conga line, but just stuff like that we were allowed to do um, cool without doing anything physical. Like I can't go, I you know I wouldn't be allowed to like be squashed by Brock Lesnar, which is fine by me. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Um. Was, we were talking about you know Blake Christian being a great you know current GCW champion, um, another champion. I wanted to to ask you about another guy who got started young. You being at sixteen, another guy who started as a teenager, Hunter Drake, the current New South yeah. champion. Um, he's another guy we've gotten a chance to interview uh, a little while back, and um, seeing his progression from Talladega Nights to now has been fantastic. He's also been kind of finding a spot for himself in GCW lately too. And uh, what's like seeing the the progress he's made and where he's at as the New South champion currently. Man, I mean, you know, he, you know, him and Braden Tude shocked the scene by the ending of uh, Anniversary 8 where uh, Dylan McQueen wins this triple threat cage match. Holy shit, the underdog, which everybody was expecting Hunter Drake to really win. So he wasn't the underdog, but Dylan McQueen was kind of like this dark horse. He wins, you know, and then Braden Tude comes out with his uh, signed, sealed, and delivered instant championship match, money in the bag type thing. Uh, he starts blasting people, which is uh, very uncharacteristic of Braden Toon. Just hit him like being a jerk. And then he hands it over to Hunter Drake, who cashes it in and pins uh, knocked out Dylan McQueen. So it was like it was shocking. So this is a this is a, uh, a character turn that nobody was expecting. Um, and people were still talking about it. And like me and Hunter Drake, we've only wrestled each other like in a tag match and then at a bar show in the rain. So we haven't had that real one-on-one experience because i was like hey hunter it's raining really bad we've got some big things coming up we're gonna have a really damn good match one day it's just not gonna be today <laughs> so so we'll probably especially now that he's 
kind of turned his back on the New South faithful, there could be an opportunity for first-time matchups between Hunter Drake and myself and myself and Braden Toon. He's, so, bra- he's bragging about taking nights off, man. He's, he's hanging out with that New South championship, like not, not showing up to shows and stuff, it looks like. So, yeah, you might have to might have to go represent for the company, man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Dan, as we start to wind down here, uh, my last question and, and something that we ask everybody on this show, uh, the coolest thing in your room. Okay, so the coolest thing in my room, well, this is kind of like a like a wrestling related one, and then the non wrestler related one. The not the coolest thing that's in our in my room that's a non wrestling thing is uh, a uh, leopard gecko named uh, Zami that we fostered uh, from some friends that my daughter goes to dance with. They had their house burned down, and they were able to save some of the pets. And Zami, the leopard gecko, was one of them. So we adopted him and. Uh, he's really cool. And then on my nightstand hanging on my, um, on my, uh, lamp is, um, my young lines cup five metal from Chikara. Uh, I've still got it hanging. Like I've had people try to buy it from me and I'm just a guy. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna sell most of my wrestling stuff or any of my wrestling stuff if I can get away with it. And that was uh, near and dear to me. So I keep it on my nightstand. Um, so uh, that, that, that my Chikara medal is a, a big deal, a cool thing to me. I don't know if it's cool to a lot of people, but it's cool to me. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. Dan, thanks for joining us uh, here tonight. We really appreciate it. Let everybody know where they can find you at. Yeah. Uh, well, you can find me on X at <laughs> Cabana Man Dan. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at cabana.man.dan. I'm also on Facebook as well. Uh, you can't find me at shows for a few months because I have a torn calf. But uh, I'm healing well. Um, it's also given me time to take care of some other nagging injuries. Like I uh, uh, had, a, had a procedure done to my elbow, just an, a nasty injection in my elbow to cure a uh, tennis elbow. And I've got a swollen left knee. So I'm taking a nice deserved break after the last seven years of a 20-year career in wrestling. So uh, I'll be back soon. And Rolando Perez won't know when it's coming. And I'm gonna beat his ass. So uh, he 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 kicked me in the balls at anniversary while I was in a a boot and beat the shit out of me. So uh, he's gonna get his whether it's at New South or I might follow his ass to NWA. You never know. <laughs> I'm saying Lano Freeman over there. You better watch out of NWA. Yeah, man. I, I I can't wait to see you return, man. I'm a longtime fan. It was great to have you on the show today, Dan. Um, and I'll always. I value all your work everywhere, but like I have a real soft spot for like the Southeast and like getting to see you live at like Chattanooga and Nashville and stuff is like, it's a big part of my fandom as like a independent wrestling fan. Um, very important to me. So um, very important to have you on the show today. And um, now we just have one more left from that VIF versus <laughs> uh, they might be giants match to talk to you about that whole thing. We got to get Marco's son on here. Someday. Yeah. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta find his, he's hard. He's hard to find these days. So he is. he's laying so low. He, yeah, well, you know, he can't miss you if you don't go away. So he's he's gone away right now. So we're missing him. I, I appreciate you, Dan, because we haven't had too many interactions uh, on X, if you want to call it that. Um, but I've reached out to you a couple of times, like, hey, can you like get me in contact with this person? And you've always been very kind and, and helpful in doing that. So I appreciate that uh, you, you've linked me up with people and helped get them on this show or another show that I do. That's, uh, that's again, big of you because you don't really you don't know me you don't know me from anybody else and you've just been helpful and i appreciate that you've been helpful to someone like me so well, I mean, thank you i mean for doing y'all that. have been helpful in the scene of independent wrestling uh 
especially with like the Southeast, whether it was just like sending you reports, whether it's a new South shore, if I'm doing a spot show in a, a, a elementary school gym for Mike Jackson against Adam priest for the 20th time this month. I uh, just like to, you know, just send stuff out and uh, you know, action's another one that, you know, that carries some weight in the Southeast uh, so, uh, Southern honor as well. So it's like, there's a lot of unsung heroes in the Southern scene and it, it's just nice for, for some light to get, to get shed on these, on these folks. Yeah, we we're trying. Jensen's going to bat for all of them. So Jensen. will. Oh, yeah. Well, it's funny. It's funny. I felt bad that it took this long to get you on because we've had like everyone like a Jason and around you on lately, too. So it was like we're shipping away like I had kind of all this new South talent. And I kept telling Jeremy, I was like, eventually we got to get Dan on here. Just got to get kind of the right timing. And we'll with Dan, you've been on our list for quite a while. So I'm, I'm very happy this happened. Well, I, I, I appreciate it. And like, man, we could talk for just hours about just. Cause I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot, like I was like typing out, you know, just cool people have wrestled like, holy shit. You know, these, these are people, these are stars before they were stars whenever we, we locked up. So it was, it was really, really cool, really cool stuff. Well, you are, you're welcome back anytime. I'm sure we'll have you back at, at some point, but thank you Absolutely. again for, for doing this yes, tonight. Thank Everybody, the, the links are below to, to follow and to support Dan. You can check out the description below, check out the links below, click those. Thank you again, Dan guys. We'll be right back here on the, Big thanks to Cabana Man Dan for his time this week joining us in the Creator's Spotlight. Guys, that'll do it for us today. Thank you as always to Steven Jensen for joining me. Thank you to everybody in the chat for joining us throughout the day or throughout the morning and uh, hanging out while we talked a little professional wrestling. We'll be back next week. New episode covering everything that's happening in the world of wrestling. Guys, you can uh, head over to Fightful.com. Check out the stories we got going on. Head over to Fightful Select. Best $5 in the business. Dropping news all the time. Dropping news. Dropping news. Head over to FightfulOverbooked.com. Check out all the stuff we we got on we got going on over there, including In the Weeds every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 10 a.m. to noon Eastern. We just had Alex Shelley on the show yesterday. Go check out that interview. That is up now on Fightful Overbooked. We'll be back next week, everybody. Until then, y'all take care. Have a good weekend, everyone.